get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker on a morning that the Cardinals, after the Cardinals scored 16 runs. Michelle, that was fun. I, I was happy to stay up late last night and watch a four-hour game. <laughs> 16 runs, Randy. Talk about electric. It was just excitement after excitement. It Did, was awesome. I, I kind of thought after the first inning there was a chance they could lose the game. No, you didn't. I didn't. No, they're up six nothing, and I'm thinking, okay, if you if you get the bases loaded in a three zero pitch, you better be swinging. Well, I did not think that. I thought Cardinals have lost games like that before. Sure, but I thought, all right, we're, they've got this one in the bag. I I was confident in them after I, the first I inning. Appreciate your confidence. KK was fine. The Cardinal offense up and down the lineup was excellent. Colton Wong had four hits. I was hoping he would have five. Goldie, one for two with three runs scored. He gets on base every single night. Brad Miller, a revelation. Four for six with three runs and seven RBIs. People don't realize, Michelle, this is a guy that hit 30 home runs a few years ago in the majors. He's not a Jeremy Hazelbaker type hitter. He's not a flash in the pan. He's a guy that's done it before, and you just have to put him in the right place at the right time. He's been producing for for the Cardinals consistently, and it still feels exciting every time he goes up there and he has a night like he had last night. But where would you place this as far as great signings by the front office from the Cardinals? Because it's not a, okay, we're going to bring in a Matt Holiday, a Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. It's, a, it's a signing that everybody went, oh, okay, Brad Miller. And then he has been really, really successful for the team so far. The thing is the Cardinals historically have done so well with those. When you bring in a, a Chris Carpenter. And, and he's a, eh, well, yeah, he, he might wind up being good, and he winds up being the star. Or the Kent Bottenfield, who won 18 games. Cardinals historically have done really good. Uh, Ryan Ludwig. Who was Ryan Ludwig when the Cardinals signed him? So for this season, he's good, but for him to go down in Cardinal history, he's going to have to do a lot more for me. <laughs> I'm not putting him all time, but we tend to focus a lot more on the Brett Cecils than we do the Brad Millers. Yeah, we do. Is what I'm getting at. Absolutely. And from that perspective, yeah, the Cardinals should not spend big money on free agents. <laughs> they should just sign the low, low price guys and keep them and, and let them do their thing. Actually, it was Miller last night who got the scoring started. And that is Rip Fair off the glove of Joey Votto. One run in, two runs in. And it's a 2 nothing St. Louis lead. Miller off the glove of Votto, and that makes it 2 nothing Cardinals against Sonny Gray here in the first. Dexter Fowler singled a couple home. Wonger singled a couple home. He was the 10th hitter of the inning. <laughs> and then the Cardinals increased their lead innings later. 
Miller hits it out to deep left. It's at the wall, and it's gone. It sneaks over the wall, an opposite field home run. 8-0 Cardinals. Aquino went back just over the wall. The home run for Miller, his third of the year, a two-run shot. 8-0 St. Louis. In the second inning, Michelle, it's 8-0. And you, were you feeling comfortable at that point? I felt a little better at that (laughs) point, yeah. After they had knocked Sonny Gray out and things were going the Cardinals' way, and KK, it's amazing. He, he said that he actually went and had to play catch a couple of times in the first inning during the, the top of the first because he, he warmed up and then cooled off again. So he went downstairs to the batting cage and played catch a couple of times. As a starting pitcher, though, that's a moment where you're not frustrated that you have to continue warming up when no. you know that your offense is giving you that much padding. Yeah. The Cardinals kept scoring. It was a 14-1 advantage in the eighth when Miller stepped to the plate again, this time with Andrew Kisner on base. Shift on the right side. And Miller launches one down the right field line. It's gone off the foul pole. He's done it again. And this one, a two-run homer for Miller. His fourth hit of the night and his second two-run bomb. Have a night, Miller. He is driven in seven on the night. Little advice for the folks over at the So-So American Ballpark. Okay, you're in the eighth inning and it's 14-1. You aren't going to have anybody in the stands. Turn off the crowd noise. Just have it be silent? Yeah, there's, that's what it would be in a real-life situation. There would be nobody there. But for the players, though, it's so eerie when you don't hear anything. And that big, empty ballpark. That's reality. <laughs> You'd at least hear some thing. ambient noise, Randy. You'd hear people, you know, unwrapping their hot dogs that they have bought. Not or a 14 in the eighth inning, Michelle. Or you'll hear people coughing. <laughs> you wouldn't hear just dead you, silence. You might hear the Cardinal fans. There you so go. So that's what you should do is have just a little tiny group of 10 people going, <laughs> Go Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> 16 to 2 was the final. The Cardinals win it, and after a seven run outburst on Monday night, Tuesday night, 16 for Mike Schilt's team. A lot of body of our work has been pretty darn good. You know, the, the probably the difference there for a short period of time with the proverbial smaller sample size was a little bit of lack of slugging for, you know, a period of time. Like I said, the bats were good, not a lot of chase, strikeouts down, a lot of quality of bats. It's a lot of good pitching, and we've taken a lot of approaches, been solid, have a lot of opportunities, and um, we've been able to capitalize and do a little more damage recently, and that's what it looks like. Talk about patient. Michelle, the Reds had to throw 208 pitches last night. <laughs> Dang. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not great, and especially when you have to use seven guys. Of course, one of them was a position player. It really does have a negative effect on your team, and the reason that the Cardinals were able to do that is because they stayed patient against one of the best pitchers in the league in Sonny Gray. I just think we're, did, I mean, we weren't going to chase him around. We were going to stay disciplined to just put a good swing on the baseball that we, in an area that we liked, and, and guys were locked into that and didn't give in. I'm hoping that this is a trend for the Cardinals. I, I hope this isn't a fluke, that this is just something that happens to be happening against Cincinnati this week. Not that they're going to score an average of 11 runs a game or 11 and a half runs a game. But if the Cardinals can score three or more on a regular basis, if you could do that every game, you're going to win a lot more than you lose. Well, you had the numbers about them scoring first and about them scoring three or more runs in a game. Yeah, I'll get the latest for you. Okay. They've typically had success, but I was wondering last night, Randy, do you think the game last night says more about the Cardinals or the Reds? 
I think it definitely says more about the Reds and what a disappointment they are and how that team is as flawed as it is. I I thought they were really good. But as we saw, they don't have a tremendous amount of bullpen depth. And that's a team that went out and signed Nicholas Castellanos. They already had Suarez. Uh, they had Votto. They did a really good job during the offseason. Akiyama comes in. I thought they did a really good job of building a team to win. But for whatever reason, it's just not clicking there. And I don't think it's going to this year. That just looks like a mess. It really does. And I wonder, too, Randy, we talked about the Cardinals pitching staff and how Adam Wainwright's gem seemed to inspire Dakota Hudson. It seemed to kind of light a fire internally as far as competition is concerned. I wonder if that rubs off on the offense at all. If the guy, if it's just a collective unit saying, okay, after a moment like that, we've got something going here and we better grab this momentum and run with it. I would think so, although I don't think that they were not trying. But I think once you get a lead to, once it's 4 nothing, then people that might have been inclined to press aren't pressing anymore. Sure. And you can just go out there and, uh, as Dunk would say, you don't have the tight cheeks anymore. Yeah. You just go out there and swing the bat and things happen for you. Oh, Miss Dunk, that was great. I, I mean, more or less, they seemed a little tired. They seemed a little worn out. It's, it's certainly not that they were, weren't trying, but they had yeah. a lot to deal with. And that game felt like a shot in the arm for everybody. It felt like it a was. pick-me-up. Yeah. By the way, the Cardinals now... 14 and 4 when scoring three or more runs and in games in which they score first they're 9 and 2 so you're exactly right they are doing really good things when they score three or more now when they score less than 3 that is not as great when you uh, they're 0 and 9 when oh. they score less than 3 runs well two or fewer there's the front there's a the trend yeah so what was the most fun part last night? Was it Wonger? Was it KK, who, by the way, we got to give props to, right? He goes five scoreless yes. innings and keeps the, the streak going of four consecutive really good Cardinal starting pitcher starts. Wonger goes four for four and scores four runs. Goldie, one for two with three runs. Miller, we mentioned, with the two home runs, four for six. Could have hit for the cycle. I don't know if he's ever had a triple before. But he was available for it. He could have done it. So what do you think? What do you, who are you taking? What's the key last night? Jeez, there's so many keys. The most exciting thing for me was the first inning, just to see that explosion mm-hmm. of offense. <clears throat> but I think despite what we saw out of KK that was so impressive, despite Miller having another electric night, I love using that word in regards to him. Uh-huh. I think, Randy, my story continues to be Paul Goldschmidt and the consistency that he's providing for this team and this offense. It's too boring. He's, <laughs> he's like a good golfer. He's he's so good that it's just boring. He just goes out and does the same thing every night. There's, there's no, oh, is he going to get hot? Oh, is he going to cool off? It's just the same thing every night. No, he just continues to produce for you. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And now the Cardinals move over 500. They're still three games behind the Cubs, but they're 14 and 13. And they've won three in a row. And maybe this is that six or seven game winning streak that I've been talking about since before the 60 game season started. Feels like it. Yeah, I hope so. They just have to beat up on Chicago over the course of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. A five-game series in Chicago over the course of four days. But don't you like to have a performance like this oh, yeah. in your back pocket as you head to Chicago? Let's get another one tonight. Yes. Be good. Cardinals win it 16-2. to <laughs> two. So why did that Cardinal offense in the last couple of nights, actually, let's give them credit for three days. Why have they been able to turn it on? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
Garrick and Smallman on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals win again last night. They're over the 500 mark, Michelle, which is important for a team if they want to make the playoffs generally. Maybe not this year. You don't have to be over 500 to make the playoffs, but it's always a pretty good policy to stay over 500. And the Cardinals are hitting. And you wonder why they're hitting. I, I wonder if this might be something as simple as the Cardinals came back from their COVID-19 prompted break on the 15th of August. So here we are. We're about two weeks in, two and a half weeks in. And maybe this was as something as simple as, not that the Cardinals haven't hit, but it might be as simple as hitters taking some time to get going in spring training. And Mike Schilt told me before this all started, he said, hey, our first game against the White Sox, I asked him, I said, is this going to be just like the first day of spring training. And he said, that's exactly what it is. After you have that much time off and missed 17 days, you're essentially starting over. So the Cardinals, what they're doing here is traversing spring training right now. And maybe the hitters are just hitting their stride because they've played two and a half weeks and they've been able to practice for two and a half weeks. Yeah, one of the things that we've consistently said is it always takes hitters time to catch up to the pitching Mm -hmm. and compound that with guys who hadn't seen live pitching in a a long time. So it's not just a normal, hey, I'm getting my reps. I'm trying to figure it out. It's oh, we were really stagnant for a really long time. We weren't even working on anything. We could watch video, sure, but we weren't able to to see live pitching or really actually try to figure out what was going on. And I think you see, you see a team that's finally complete for you know a, a while. They hadn't been complete for a while. And they're probably just still riding on that high of being so excited to be playing baseball again. And yeah, maybe the potential was always there and they just needed time to figure it out and get in that rhythm. Brad Miller on coming back. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think there is obviously an element of just kind of getting back on your feet and moving around, which we, they did a really good job with us back in, in Bush. It was definitely weird, um, you know, practicing in little 20, 30-minute increments. But once I feel like you're kind of back on your on your feet, I think it's really – I mean, you saw in Chicago with the, the White Sox series, it's just like, hey, get in there, <laughs> you know, really – you know, you're kind of playing with house money, you know, and just get in there and compete. And you, you kind of don't really think about anything, which for hitting, I think, is, is actually a positive when you're not thinking. So, yeah, it's just strapping it on and, and going and competing. One thing, Michelle, that I knew but I never really thought about or appreciated is baseball players are standing a lot. And when the Cardinals came back from the initial quarantine, when they got into summer camp 2020 brought to you by Camping World, Wonger made it a point to actually just stand after being on his couch for three months yeah. because players, umpires, they, they have to stand, but they aren't used to it anymore. And that exhausts you in a way that you don't expect. Right. You know, it's it's getting your it's getting that muscle memory back. Me. It exhausts me too. That's why whenever I see people with the standing desks, there's there's some people around here that have a standing desk. I just walk past. I'm like, respect to you. I couldn't do it. Uh, I read somewhere, and I think if we do the Google search, somebody reported maybe a doctor, maybe not, that sitting is the new cancer. What? Sitting is the new cancer. Let's uh, check that out. As we sit here for three hours every morning. We'll we'll hear from Paul Goldschmidt about his appreciation for being able to play this game. I mean, I'm so excited to be out there playing. Um, You talked about earlier kind of not having anything to lose. I think when you sit out, you know, two or three months like we did, and then we got to sit out another two or three weeks after we started, you definitely have a little bit more appreciation for just enjoying the game, going out there and having fun rather than, you know, it being a job and a business. Of course, you're going to go out there and compete, but I think there's a little bit more enjoyment, 
to it. So whatever we have to do to play. Whatever you do, if you like it and then you aren't given the opportunity to do it and you give it, you're given that opportunity again, you're going to appreciate it. Sure. I, but I think that that says a lot about your mentality because a lot of players could have taken the complete opposite approach or a lot of teams in general. I think this is really reflective of the leadership within the clubhouse and within the organization because a lot of teams could have taken a defeatist attitude and said, hey, this is already a shortened season. This is already a really weird season. We've been dealt this blow not once but twice. Who knows what it's going to look like at, when we come back. Let's just go out there, stay healthy, and play the game. They didn't necessarily have to come out and say, hey, we still have a chance at this. And I think that the Cardinals are a team that went out and they said, hey, we're not going to let this defeat us. We're going to go out there and we're going to play baseball to the level that we know that we're capable of. 101 ESPN breaking news alert. Michelle, the bulletin apparently official. A study from the American Cancer (laughs) Society finds a link between long periods of leisure time sitting and a higher risk of death from all causes, including 14 of the 22 causes of death measured by the study. The study includes eight of the 10 most common causes of death. The study was published on June 29th of 2018 in the American Journal of Epidemiology. Previous studies have linked prolonged sitting to death from cancer, heart disease, and all other causes. Oh, no. Risks of death among those who reported the most leisure time sitting were higher from cancer, coronary heart disease, stroke, diabetes, kidney disease, suicide, lung disease, liver disease, peptic ulcer, and other digestive diseases. So, hey, just uh, don't sit so much. Get one of those standing things. Should we? Do you think we could stand for the entire show? Yes, I do. Do you want to? We can try it someday. We might be breathing really hard at Not the end. today. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> I might try to, to stand the entire next segment and see how it goes. Because if I'm going to eat healthy, if I'm, if I'm forcing myself to eat kale, I'm not going to just oh. sit down and have it negate that. Right. I might as well eat the donut then, you know? You got to play for the tie here at some point, right? Randy, when did this study come out? Two, two years ago. Okay, well, that certainly isn't great for us as a society post-quarantine. Good point. It's not. <laughs> it's not good. You thinking? A this, lot of Netflix hours logged when this, there was no sports and nothing to do. It's not going to be good. Oh, this from man. the Mayo Clinic. Any extended sitting, such as at a desk, behind a wheel, or in front of a screen, can be harmful. Hmm. An analysis of 13 <laughs> studies of sitting time and activity levels found that those who sat for more than eight hours a day with no physical activity had a risk of dying similar to the risks of dying posed by obesity and smoking. Oh, man. Which probably kind of go hand in hand, obesity and sitting for eight hours a day. Oh, just saying. Well, does sleeping count towards that number? I don't because think so. I think we're forced. We, we have to spend a third of our lives in bed, right? That's They want us to sleep more. Okay, but think about us. We're logging three hours here, a yeah. couple hours for the Cardinals game, two to three hours. That's at least six hours that we're sitting. This is the new cancer, Michelle. We're dead. We are dead. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, you know what's not dead? The Big Ten football season. Yesterday, Kevin Warren, commissioner of the Big Ten, talking to the president of the United States, who, by the way, said uh, would be good, great, if Big Ten would play football. And so those two got together, and now apparently... There's talk of a Big Ten football season, but Michelle, probably not starting in October as we had hoped. Heather Dinich of ESPN obviously has her finger on the pulse of everything college football and gave her latest knowledge of when a Big Ten season might start. The Big Ten athletic directors and coaches would like to play as soon as possible, obviously. 
but the athletic directors have not yet presented a plan to return to the university presidents and chancellors. Remember, those are the presidents who will be making the decision on when the Big Ten actually returns to football games. And that could be as soon as October, but the general sense that I have heard from my sources within the league most likely is the end of November would probably be the earliest. But there's also looking at January as a possible return. At the end of the day, the athletic directors in that conference need to show the university presidents that they can mitigate their fears surrounding the unknown effects of myocarditis and COVID-19. They need to show the university presidents and chancellors that they can have a conference-wide testing protocol that assures all of those campuses receive the same treatment and the athletes are protected from a testing standpoint. Once they can do that, then it is up to the presidents to sign off on it. But again, the coronavirus pandemic continues to dictate when they will play. So my big takeaway, Michelle, is the athletic directors have to convince the presidents, two of which are doctors in the Big Ten, Michigan and Michigan State, Mm -hmm. that they can mitigate the coronavirus. And apparently one of the topics discussed between Kevin Warren and the president yesterday was the president guaranteeing that there will be testing at least three times a week for Big Ten players. The, The government has ordered hundreds of millions of tests, and apparently those would be provided to the Big Ten so that the Big Ten could play football. Which is interesting because that seemed to be the problem, right, is player safety, protecting them. I just find it curious that when the Big Ten made this announcement, everybody seemed to say, wow, that stinks, but we understand it. Mm -hmm. We understand that it's going to be very difficult to protect these players. And it seems like even though the Big Ten felt confident in that decision and felt as if they were doing the best thing for their players and for the people involved in Big Ten football this fall, that looking at the other conferences moving ahead has had them questioning themselves. Yes. And I just hope that the peer pressure aspect of this doesn't force the Big Ten to start in October and have it be disastrous. And I also wonder, and... Obviously, when you make a decision like they made on August 11th, so we're three weeks out from that decision to not play. But then all of a sudden you start looking at the financial ramifications. And this is what I talked about with the SEC right off the bat. Okay, is it worth it for us to risk the well-being, the health and well-being of an 18-year-old athlete? Let's not even throw a student athlete in there in these circumstances. Is it worth it for us to risk the the well-being of that young person so that we can make $100 million. And maybe that thought process has shifted. Maybe they were thinking, okay, we're only going to do the right thing here. We're going to protect the health and well-being of those kids. Maybe now they feel like, A, because of more education that they've gotten over the last three weeks, kids are more likely to be able to handle Mm COVID-19. Or B, maybe they're thinking, we really can't afford to lose this $100 million per, per school. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And if you have the president guaranteeing that you're going to get the testing that you need, do you think three times a week is enough? That's what the other conferences are doing at the moment. Right. And they seem to be doing okay. No, I I don't. Not for a college student. Not for an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old that likes to go out, that's probably living in a dorm, that probably is more inclined to make the less mature decision buddies that aren't athletes say, hey, come on, we're going out. Your your friend from West County at Mizzou, 
hey, we're going out. Well, maybe you're more likely to do that than a 22-year-old or 23-year-old that just got that big first check from the NFL, that that big bonus check that is trying to protect it. Yeah, I think it's the best they can do. And I certainly hope that everything goes off without a hitch because I want to see college football and I want to see these players remain healthy and safe. But I do think if the Big Ten reverses course and they say, hey, we're coming back in October, that's going to reflect really poorly on the on the conference as a whole. Yeah, especially if they have issues, if, right? If, if, if Well, it just seems so discombobulated. It seems as if... If they if they reverse course, it seems like they don't trust their own judgment. Right. And that is never a good look from a leadership standpoint. And that comes down to the presidents who have to have a level head about this. A couple of other points. Uh, number one, going back to the conversation, which is imperative today. Uh, sitting is the new smoking, not sitting is the new cancer. Sitting is the new smoking, which leads to cancer. So we have to keep that in mind. So that's what we were talking about. I just worded it wrong. And somebody <laughs> asked uh, from the 573, can sitting give you the Rona, bro? Oh, I hope not. Depends on where you're sitting, I would think, right? And well, wh- with whom you're sitting? Yeah, I was going to say who you're sitting near. Yeah. So I, I would think yes under certain cir- circumstances, but I feel pretty confident that if nobody in your home has the Rona, bro, and <laughs> you go sit next to them on a couch and you're quarantining, I think you're cool. Isn't it bruh? Bruh, yeah. Bruh. yeah. I can get my money, bruh. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, uh, Blake Snell. Think about post-quarantine, how difficult it was to even get any physical activity up and moving. Right. And now... I, I still haven't gone to a gym. You can tell. Well, you've been riding your bike, Randy. You've been I getting have been that cardio in. R- Come on. Bike riding is social golfing. distanced. You've That's been golfing. Big, I have been doing that. Using a cart way too much. (laughs) I just still, when I go on a run or if I try to work out, it still feels like such a task. (laughs) And I mean, it always has felt like a task. And maybe I'm using the fact that we've been more sedentary as as an excuse. But man, that's why I'm even more impressed with the Cardinals. I really am. I am too. And I know they're professional athletes. They bounce back. They have physical capabilities that you or I just don't have. But to think that you were in quarantine, then you came back, then you were stuck in a hotel for six days, then you had to start up, stop again, and you weren't able to really get into the physical groove that you needed to get in to be able to compete. Then you go out and you have a game like you have last night. They've they've been effective in so many aspects of their yep. game. <laughs> it's very impressive. Here, it really is. Yep, here come the Cardinals. Two more texts. This one uh, from the 314, rather serious. Cancer due to stagnant bodies. Circulate blood. Circle. Remove remove body waste each pump. Diet. Burning calories each pump. So what you want to do is get that body. What, what's the old uh, the, the thing? A body in motion is whatever. Uh, I don't, I don't know. know that. Somebody, I also don't know anything text, about the pump. What uh, yeah, well, if, if you pump your body and, you know, what, oh, whatever you're doing, any, any body movement is good. A body at whatever, a body at that's moving. If you can give me the phrase, I don't know what it is. I don't remember <laughs> off the top of my head. 65780, I know you do. But here's something else I know medically for sure. And this from the 618. What if I'm sitting down and smoking with the Rona? Then you are 
probably inclined, you should be inclined to go get some of the high-octane Sudafed at your local pharmacy and some Mountain Dew. (laughs) And that'll solve your problem. So if we're going to sit the whole show, we should just be pounding Sudafed and Mountain Dew, counteract? If we have the Rona. Oh, if we have the Rona. Okay. So a body of motion stays in motion? Is that it? Something like that? Once you start moving and you start working out, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of people checking in. A body in motion stays Stays in in motion. motion. There we go. Yeah, body in motion tends to... Thank you very much. Appreciate (laughs) that from the smartest listenership in radio, TV, the world, the universe. Coming up next, we've got a list of cardinals that are having good years, and we are going to tell you who we would pick if we could have one former cardinal on the cardinals right now, and we want you to weigh in as well. We'll give you our list next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. One of the reasons you get a personal trainer is because you know nothing about exercise. <laughs> and evidently, Michelle and I know nothing about exercise, but no, we do nothing. appreciate the smartest listenership again in radio, texting in 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. And we're talking now about Newton's Law, Michelle. That's right, Randy. We are learning a lot today. How about this, Randy? A body in motion is Newton's first law of motion. An object at rest, an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. Science. What's that mean? I don't really know. I just repeated it. <laughs> an object at rest is an object in motion, stays in motion. Okay, so basically what they're saying is, like, we're standing up right now. We're kind of doing, we, we've been standing up for six minutes. and uh, <laughs> My so trainer is going to be so excited. If, if we do this and we do the same speed, like dancing back and forth and stuff like that. Yeah. This is, uh, apparently, according to uh, Sir Isaac Newton, is, is he's a sir, right? It's yeah, going to be good for us. Definitely a sir. Okay, so yes, if we continue moving... Our body will stay in motion. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which seems very obvious. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like, so my, my cup is sitting right here. Okay. If, if nothing touches this table, it will never move because it is not in motion, so it will not go into motion. So that's basically okay. what it's trying to say. Okay, good. All right. The Cardinals obviously have hit well over the course of the last couple of days. They've stayed in motion, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the Cardinals also could put together, if they so desired, a pretty good former Cardinal team that would be competitive in Major League Baseball. If you could have one former Cardinal on this this year's Cardinals, the, the former Cardinal performing the way he is this year, who would it be? Okay, we've got... Luke Voigt, who's hitting 308, 13 homers, 26 RBIs, a 1.068 OPS. You've got Randy Gritchick. He's, he must be going by Randy right now because he's hitting 287, 9 homers, 27 ribs with an 886 OPS. Steven Piscotti, 304, 5 homers, 26 RBIs, 762 OPS, and playing a great right field in Oakland. Marcelo Zuna hit three home runs last night, Michelle. He is now at 295 with 11 homers, 29 RBIs, and a 987 OPS. And the infielder for San Francisco, Donovan Solano, last year hit 330 for them. This year, he plays second and third. He's hitting 345. He drove in six for the Giants last night, two homers, 24 RBIs, and an 884 OPS. You've got Trevor Rosenthal, who has seven saves, just got traded to the Padres. Seven saves with a 3.04 ERA, 23 strikeouts, and seven walks. Then you've got Lance Lynn, four and one with a 1.93. You've got Marco Gonzalez, four and two 
with a 3.09. Zach Gallen, who went to the Marlins in the Marcelo Zuna trade, he's 1-0 with a 2.09 for the Diamondbacks. So I'm giving you those and every other former Cardinal in Major League Baseball to place on this year's Cardinals. Who do you got? A lot of great options here, which I'm sure might be frustrating for some Cardinals fans. It's probably a good thing we're having this conversation Mm -hmm. after they put up 16 last night over the Reds. And maybe this is a little bit of recency bias because we've seen the offense start to click over the past few games. But Randy, as I look at this list, I think there's one name I'm circling, and that's Lance Lynn. Even though the Cardinal pitching has been outstanding this Mm -hmm. year, how great would it be to add a guy like Lance Lynn, a grizzled veteran guy who is going out and going to give you what he's giving you. 4-1, and 1.93 ERA. It, imagine heading into a series, Randy, knowing that you're going to have Flaherty, Wainwright, Lynn, Hudson, KK. That'd be pretty darn good. Pretty good. And Oviedo goes tonight. Because of the depth that the Cardinals have in it, I don't think there's anybody as good as Lance Lynn among that depth when you get beyond the people that you just mentioned. But... Because I think the offense has been such a big issue, and I totally am on board with the idea that you can never have enough pitching, but I think that I am going to go with Randy Gritchick here. Hmm. He can get out and play, play a good center field for you. He's hitting for power. He's doing what the Cardinals always expected he would be. Probably doing what the Angels thought he would do when they, when they drafted him ahead of Mike Trout. So I'm going to go Randy Gritchick. For this particular year, I'm going to plug him in in center field and let him rock and roll. Another name in the outfield, Randy? <laughs> yeah. Now, I gave serious consideration to Luke Voigt and just plugging him in at DH and let him, letting him be the guy, right? I thought the same thing. But there's two things. Number one, you've got Brad Miller, yep. who's going right now. And number two, a lot of what Voigt does, and you don't want to have this takeaway but playing in Yankee Stadium is a lot different than playing in Bush Stadium. So those numbers, while prolific, probably wouldn't be what they are if he were playing here in his hometown. Side note, Randy, we've been standing this entire segment, and I don't know if it's standing, but I'm, I'm more energized. I'm more excited to be talking about these guys. We're, we're 10 minutes. All right. Uh <laughs> From the 636, give me Matt Adams, simply because good things seem to happen when he's around. You don't even have to play him. That's a great point. That's a a great call. He's kind of like a good luck charm. Jumbo Pepsi. Now he's medium Pepsi. He is medium Pepsi. Jumbo Pepsi, one of the great all-time Cardinal nicknames, though. Really is. From the 314, Rosie. Maybe because I own a shirt that has his name on it. Maybe because it adds a piece that doesn't take away a great spot that you have now. I really considered Rosenthal, too, because I don't have a ton of faith in the Cardinal closer, who ostensibly is Gallegos right now. But I just wanted to add offense. And I do think they have people to choose from, especially when Carlos comes back to be the closer. I know that probably if we're looking at a place that we would want to add in totality, it's offense. But I keep looking at the schedule and thinking how nice it would be to just have another strong, another dependable arm in there. Here's another text that agrees with you. I would want Lynn, says this text from the 636, we need quality innings with all the doubleheaders we're going to play. That's a great call. Uh, From the 636, got Ozuna on fantasy. Yeah, that's the only way he was going to be here. Yeah, that's right. Is uh, through a fantasy uh, from the six three uh, from the six one eight. Piscotty can handle big moments and pressured at bats. That's from our friend Lisa, and Piscotty's done it in the postseason with the Cardinals before. He's a really good player. Randy A. I don't know if Randy A. would be at the top of my list, but I think it's he, he's fun, and I know that he had an enjoyable time last year during the playoffs with the Cardinals. 
Yeah, everybody knows Randy. Everybody knows. <laughs> but you know what? Thank you to Randy A. for that, because that was one of the all-time great videos that we've yeah. ever seen. Mike Schilt just letting it fly. Yep. And this one from the 314, and I agree with this 100%. The Cardinals need to be better when evaluating their talent. The fam trade might turn out for them. Maybe Henesis Cabrera will turn out to be good, although Roel Ramirez was in that deal, too. But Luke, for, uh, Luke Voigt for Gallegos, based on where they're all... Well, the, the problem here until this year is Luke Voigt wasn't going to play for you because right. you were going to go out and get Goldie. And Gallegos has turned out to be nice, but I still think that was a roll of the dice. What they got for Gritchick was terrible. They they wound up getting uh, the, the reliever that wore number 55 that was awful. He's, I think, with Cleveland now. The Dominic Leon. And uh, another pitcher that they wound up cutting, uh, the Piscotti trade, Jairo Munoz and Max Schrock. You'd rather have Piscotti. And I, I know there was uh, an extenuating circumstance that went into that trade. Actually, the trade that you made for Ozuna might wind up looking bad, although it's not horrible because Gallon and Alcantara might wind up being great, but we don't know yet. But then cutting a guy like Donovan Solano, just letting him walk so that you can keep Edmundo Sosa, I don't know about that one. No. Now, he's 32 now. He'd been in the system for a long time and did bounce around, but, man, he's turned into a good player. Cardinals have had a lot of good players. I like their evaluation in bringing guys in. I don't like their evaluation in sending guys out. Yeah, we have, what, nine or ten people on this list, and we could add three to five more? Yeah, very easily. (laughs) That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and we've been standing for 14 minutes now. And, Go us. Yeah. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 because we're going to play a little game of Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We always have fun with you. We appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle and Randy with Take It or Leave It coming up here on 101 ESPN. We've been standing for 20 minutes already, <laughs> and I'm not even worn out. I can handle this. I am not worn out either. If anything, I think it's brought in us collectively more energy. I think so. So, Scotty, will have your Teolis for us in just a moment, but we will give you ours first. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle... Cam Newton and former Instagram model Kia Proctor have four children together. He left her after he got another Instagram model pregnant, and while she hasn't said anything publicly about it, Proctor has asked courts for $15,000 a month in child support. Okay. She broke down her expenses and said she's only making $1,000 a month during the Rona, but she does have to go through the process of going to court to ask Cam for the money, and Cam will likely have to pay. Cam has five children with Instagram models. Take it or leave it, he should delete the app. (laughs) Uh, Take it or leave it, it's the most expensive app he's ever bought. (laughs) Take that, yeah. Uh, Delete that sucker. Come on. He's got a type, though, Randy. He (laughs) does have a type. (laughs) No, there's no doubt about that. (laughs) If you look at the pictures, there's no doubt about that. Really? Yeah. I need to look. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you think his friends or maybe his lawyer is like, hey, dude. Delete the app. (laughs) <laughs> Just delete it. Try a Facebook model. <laughs> Ooh, that would be pretty that, rough. I know. A Facebook but model? That's, Yikes. That, but cost less. You're not going to be as inclined. Put it that way. True. But 
Yeah. If I if I'm thinking of the personification of Facebook, it's not yeah. an attractive person. No. Because that's kind of a non-attractive platform. Yeah, it kind of is. Right. Okay, take it or, or leave it for both of you guys, Randy and Scott. We're going to be sore tomorrow after we stay on the rest of the show. I'm 100% taking this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking it too. I'm already uh, feeling a little bit in my back and I'm uh, the youngest one here. So. Yeah. so, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, but you're spry. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty, what do you got for us? All right, guys, take it or leave it from the 314. The Chris Archer trade will be the worst trade that any team in the NL Central makes in the entire 2010 decade. Ooh. Say it one more time. So the Pirates trade for Chris Archer will be uh-huh. the worst trade in the NL Central in the entire decade. Hmm. They gave so. they got they gave up uh, Tyler Glass now and Austin, and Meadows, Austin Meadows in that yeah. deal. Uh, I think that uh, I'm trying to think of other deals. Yeah. So we're uh, I, when did that trade happen? Two years ago, right? So that was the, I think so. The, Last decade, I'm just going to leave it because I, I think there had to be a worse one there. Yeah, there has to be. Yeah, I, I just can't Cardinals, think of it. Off the Cardinals top of probably head. made a worse one. I was trying to think if there's one that the Cardinals have made. Yeah, you could look at uh, Marco Gonzalez for Tyler O'Neill. Marco's a front front of the rotation left-handed starter, right? Mm-hmm. Tyler O'Neill doesn't look like much right now. No. Hope he turns it around. So do I. This one from the 563. Take it or leave it. After the Cardinals just scored 30 runs in three games, they will score less than five over their next three games. I'm going to totally leave that. They have found their rhythm. Yeah, now that we've learned about motion, things in motion stay in motion. The offense is in motion. That's Sir Isaac Newton. Yes, after we've learned about inertia today, I'm going to leave it as well and hope that this momentum carries forward. From the 314, take it or leave it. Having an off day tomorrow for the Cardinals is the worst thing that could have happened to them in this hot streak. I think I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave it as well because we've seen with this team that a day, six days, a week, a few mm-hmm. weeks doesn't necessarily uh, spell bad news for them. They need some time off. Yeah, they need a rest. From the 417, take it or leave it, Carp should bunt every time until they quit shifting. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it. I think you should try to take some walks too. But the other thing that would stop them from shifting is doing what he did in spring training mm-hmm. and hit the ball to left field all the time. Don't try to hit home runs. Become the same hitter. Who would have ever thought we would say this? Become the same hitter that Colton Wong has become. Hit it where they ain't. There you go. From the 636, take it or leave it. You will accept that Brad Miller was the big acquisition bat that the Cardinals made this offseason. Totally accept that, yeah. How can you not accept it with what he's been doing? Two home runs last night? Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, he was the only bat that they got during the offseason. So you have to kind of accept that, right? How much was the deal? $2 million? Yeah. $2 million for the production that he's given you. Yeah, well Cardinals, worth it. Cardinals can evaluate better than anybody. <laughs> this one is a Blues take it or leave it. Take it or leave it from the 636. Vince Dunn should have his bags packed because the Blues will sign Petro and lose him. Oh. I think I'm going to take that. I think the Blues are more likely to trade him for a pick because he is a restricted free agent. But... As far as having his bags packed, I think that if the Blues are going to sign Petro, I think that's a very safe assumption. If the Blues sign Petro, take it. But I'm still in the space where I don't necessarily see a clear path on how it gets done, so I'm going to leave it. And I don't even know right now. I do know that they don't have enough cap space to even sign Vince Dunn. 
So they'll have to make a move even if they don't sign Petro if they want to keep number 29 around. This one is from the 636. Take it or leave it. If you are having a playoff series start tomorrow, game three starter is going to be KK. Wayno or Flaherty, Flaherty or Wayno. So then it comes down to Hudson. Hudson or KK. Depends on the team I'm playing. If it's a team that has a lot of left-handed hitters or a, a couple of really good left-handed hitters, then I'm, I, I want KK to attack them. KK might be a more viable guy against the Dodgers, for example. Mm-hmm. Although they can mix and match with anybody. But I think, yes, more times than not against most teams, I will take KK over Hudson as my number three guy and then have Hudson as number four. Staying with the playoffs for this take it or leave it from the 3-1-4, Matt Carpenter will not be starting in game one. Okay, we've got the DH. I've got Edmund at third. Mm-hmm. I've got Fowler in right. So therefore I have Miller as my DH. Right. So that leaves Matt Carpenter out. He's, How about you? I think the same thing. So that's yeah. It is what it is. How if as we're standing here today on September second, with what Brad Miller has given you, how can you not do that? Yeah, you have to. You have to, especially with what Matt Carpenter has given you. Exactly. All due respect. All due respect. Thank you, Scotty. You got it. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Coming up, our fresh take. Mike Schilt, we just talked about Matt Carpenter. Mike Schilt was very patient with Colton Wong, and it paid off. So, are we going to stay? patient with other guys because Schilty knows what he's doing? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's 8.03 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. And the Cardinals will wrap up their series with the Reds tonight at the SoSo American Ballpark before they get a day off tomorrow and then open a five-game, a four-day series in Chicago on Friday. And, Michelle, when you look at this Cardinal lineup after last night, there are a lot of guys hitting, but obviously... You still have Harrison Bader who's struggling. You still have Marp who is struggling. Uh, You still have Tyler O'Neill who is struggling. And and Lane Thomas doesn't have enough of a sample size to really give you an idea. But specific to those guys, Mike Schilt has been patient with Colton Wong. And in the previous six games prior to this series, Wonger was 1 for 18. He had been 0 for 11. And then all of a sudden he breaks out and he's 6 for 9 with 5 RBIs. Because of the success that the Cardinals have enjoyed with Colton Wong here in the last couple of days. Are you inclined to give Schilt the benefit of the doubt? And I am not, by the way, in terms <laughs> of playing guys that are struggling because I just don't think there's, my opinion, I don't think there's enough time to play guys that are struggling. I guess it depends on which guy. You know, for Harrison Bader, they stuck with him for a while. You started to see those wheels in motion, and then unfortunately he had the migraines, and so he had to to be out for a bit. But if they were to revisit Harrison Bader and give him more time, based on what we had seen, that he was starting to kind of put it all together, I would understand it. But oh, I don't know where you are with Matt Carpenter, Randy, but as much as we would like to see him have success and as much as the Cardinals would obviously like to see him have success, 
it's not with Colton Wong. You you certainly look to last season for a reference point and mm-hmm. sticking with him and having belief that he's going to put it together. And we're obviously seeing it here: six for nine, five RBI. But with Matt Carpenter, if that same reference point is there, you should not have the same confidence that he's going to put it together. And part of that is that it's been now well over a year for Marp. And in addition to Wonger having a good year last year, Wonger has other tools that can allow him to get on base. There there are guys that, uh, like you say, bring other things to the table. Bader brings elite defense to the table. Marp does not bring elite, elite defense to the table. The issue the Cardinals have right now is, and by the way, I... Like I said, I think I would go with Edmund and Miller as my third base DH setup. But if they truly believe Matt Carpenter can get back to the form that he displayed in July and August two years ago, then you probably have to move Edmund to the outfield and play Carpenter at third. And with the way other outfielders are performing, because Carlson, O'Neill, Bader, they aren't performing, so maybe your outfield winds up being Edmund in left, Thomas in center, Fowler in right. Give that a shot. If you truly believe, if you're seeing things that our untrained eyes don't, that Matt Carpenter is going to start hitting. Because we keep hearing that they feel as if he's close, right? Yeah. That they feel as if he's going to start giving you that production that you, you've been hoping to see from him. But again, with the Cardinals, they, they say a lot of things that they believe to be true and that I believe when they say them. One is their belief in Matt Carpenter. Another is their consistent telling of us that, hey, we want to get guys like Lame Thomas and Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill enough of a sample size that we can mm-hmm. see what we have with them. And at some point, you, you're going to have to sacrifice one of those beliefs if you're going to continue forward. As a fan, here's the way I look at it. I'd rather take my chances on Dylan Carlson becoming better. Well, he's your future. Right. And he clearly has upside. He's got a a recent history. Last year in the minors, he was great. You can see the skill set there. And one thing about Marp is that the skill set has diminished over the course of the last few years. So if I'm going to set it up, and you've got so many doubleheaders that you're going to wind up playing at people every day. But I'm just talking about... When the playoffs start, my outfield is going to include Dylan Carlson. And I'm probably going to have Vader in center field. This is going to be Carlson, Bader, Fowler. Mm-hmm. And then my infield, Edmund, DeYoung, Wong, Goldschmidt, Yachty behind the plate. And uh, Brad Miller is my DH. That will be my main group. I can't disagree with that. And we aren't going to be able to see it anyway. We aren't going to be able to watch the games in person. We'll be watching the games on TV. But... There's a lot of talk in a lot of leagues that are going to have people attending games. And Michelle, you look at college football, the SEC, planning on having 22 to 25% of their stadiums filled. The Chiefs are going to do that. And the Chiefs play a week from Thursday night. They're going to open up with about 22% of the fans in the stands. Back in April, Seton Hall did a poll of sports fans. And they asked, will you return to a sporting event soon? 72% of Americans said they won't return until there's a vaccine for the coronavirus. That was taken in April. Here we are in September now. Has your mind changed about attending a sporting event? No. 
I still don't think I would feel comfortable enough to attend a sporting event right now. As much as I would love to, and I guess it depends on the circumstances. If it's 20 to 25% and I'm in a box with people that I know and I can sort of have trust in that, hey, you've been taking this seriously, I know you've been wearing masks, etc. I would feel more comfortable about going, but just the idea of being in that environment doesn't sit well with me. And I know a lot of other people feel differently and that's their right, but... I just, I would not be surprised if once we see fans in the stands, we hear word of an outbreak or we hear word of people testing positive. I've reached a point in my life where I like the TV product for pretty much every sport better anyway. Here's the thing. I would like, I would prefer to watch a sporting event with fans in the stands, with real fans in the stands, right. not virtual fans, with people that are actually in the in the stands cheering. So I would like to see people in the stands But I can understand why people would not want to attend until there's a vaccine, especially if you're going with young kids or older people, because older people die from this. But would I, for example, Mizzou is available to me this fall. Mm -hmm. Would I go? Probably not, unless I'm in the exact same circumstances that you're talking about, where I'm in a box, uh, a suite with people that I know. Also... I'm, I'm definitely in the camp of I'll take what I can get with sports. Not having sports for months really kind of shakes you into appreciation and gratitude for getting what you can when you, when you can have it. But there's something about attending a sporting event that I don't want to do it until it's going to be the experience that I remember and that I've been dreaming of. Watching it on TV is one thing because, like you said, there's all the bells and whistles. You've got the cardboard cutouts. You, you've got Dan and Brad or Jimmy or who, whoever's in the booth with him. Those are the familiar voices for you. You've got the crowd noise. It it looks different and it feels different, but after as time has gone on, it feels more familiar to you. If I went to a game and there's not the tailgating and there's not the mm-hmm. the energy of the crowd that I I you know have become accustomed to, it wouldn't feel the same anyway. Texts from the six one eight, and we've got differing views here. From the six one eight, yes, hell yes, <laughs> going to the games. From the 217, though, no, I will not go back to a game until there's a vaccine. And then somebody who has it figured out from the 636, tequila, mask, check. There you go. In. Just hey, get the, take care of the tequila. Take care of the mask. You're, you're in. You're good. You kind of forget about needing the mask when you have enough tequila. Well, that's not good. Yeah, you forget about a lot of things. Your like body any just goes inhibitions. Numb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would... Okay, here's a question. 20, 20 to 25% capacity. Mm-hmm. Are con- concessions higher? Are they still at the same price? Are they they lo- have to be either at the same price or lower. We're, we're risking a lot to go into a stadium, I think. So They're also yeah. losing a lot of money yeah, they keeping are, but, you safe by not having full capacity. I'm not going to pay because they have to deal with the virus. I don't, I don't want to pay extra because they're dealing with it. No, that's not fair to me as the fan in the stands. Now, the people in the luxury suites, yeah, they've got enough money. They can pay for it. Also think about concession stands. Not a very big area. There's a lot of people back there cooking and at the register and handing out the drinks and stuff. Is that safe? Do they do a thing where it's, hey, BYOB, if you you buy a ticket, here's going to be the fixed pricing. You can bring something in. I don't know from a safety standpoint if that's okay, but you would just... 
You have you have to think about the different logistics involved here and keeping people safe. This is why we need a vaccine. And I'm really intrigued to see, by the way, how CBS and Fox and NBC for the opener next Thursday, how they treat the televising of football games. Mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling now that they've been able to see what's happened in baseball and hockey and basketball that we'll see something with the NFL that we have not yet seen. I have a feeling that it's going to be a really good product. I like the the NFL TV product better anyway. I do too. <laughs> so that, that's one sport where yeah, if you give me the choice and I, I had a lot of fun going to a lot of games, but if you give me the choice now between watching the National Football League on TV or watching in person, I'll take it on TV every single time. So would I, especially because then you can pop over to Red Zone. Yeah, no doubt. Ram fan, St. Louis Ram fan. That's where you always wanted to go to Red Zone so yeah. that you you didn't have to see them. No, so you could see a touchdown. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Thanks for your text. That's today's fresh take here on 101 ESPN. I'm pulling this chair up way too close. Uh, next <laughs> are up, you getting tempted, Randy? I totally am. My hamstrings are killing me. <laughs> Eric Edholm of Yahoo is going to talk some NFL with us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle, I'm Randy. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And we go now to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Eric Edholm covers the NFL for Yahoo. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. And he tweeted yesterday, I completely forgot that Tory Holt played for the Jaguars for a year. <laughs> hey, uh, Eric, first of all, good to have you with us. Second of all, I'm in St. Louis and forgot that. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. And I, you know, it was like 2009, I want to say, or something. And I, I must have just spaced out for that entire year or something because Tory's one of my favorite receivers to watch play back in the day. And, man, I just that, that did not uh, burn into my brain at all. Well, speaking of the Jaguars, Eric, Leonard Fournette gets released. Where do you think he's going to land, and what happened in Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, uh, he went unclaimed, which obviously tells you a lot. Uh, you know, people, the teams were not ready to take on that contract. They couldn't get a, you know, a bag of peanuts for him in a trade. And, and it, it's not that Leonard Fournette isn't good enough to make a team, right? I mean, I, I think you'd say he's one of the you know, 64 best running backs in the league, but you know, there were questions about his commitment level, you know, sort of his, his focus and his attitude there, the, mostly last year. You know, there were questions about his contract. Now he's turned around and filed a grievance against the team. So there obviously was some bad blood to begin with. You know, but this is a, you know, a player who had a 225-yard rushing game last year, caught 60-something passes. So he, he's obviously good enough. And there was a message yesterday sent out by his, his camp that he's, not really looking to cash in, which is a good thing. I mean, I think he can use this as sort of a prove-it year. But when you start lining up the teams who might need his services, I don't think the, le- the the list is super long because, you know, teams these days feel like they can get a mid-round pick and, and plug him in and have him, you know, produce in the run game. And you can find a specialist who can be a pass catcher, a third-down guy. It's hard to find a spot. I will say that the Philadelphia Eagles did a lot of work on him coming out, and they were looking at big backs this offseason. So that's one team that I've kind of had in the back of my head. Maybe the Saints, if something happens with Kamara, but I don't really think it will. I just don't think it's a super long list. Maybe the Bears, if if they're worried about Montgomery's health. So hard to say right now. There aren't a, a lot of natural landing spots. 
Eric, if you could tell us one thing that started the collapse of the Jaguars from being a Super Bowl pick two years ago right now yeah. to where they are now, what happened? Here, here's the thing that I think the, the one quote-unquote minor move they made that really, to me, set the franchise back five years minimum was extending Blake Bortles after that AFC championship game, the one that they led 14-3 at halftime, 20-10, to with about 12 minutes to go. You know, Bortles wasn't terrible in that game, but they took the ball out of his hands late. You could tell, you know, but they wanted a bleed clock, and they didn't trust him to throw the football. There were real limitations. It was almost like the old axiom in scouting is don't lie to yourself, right? Don't don't tell yourself that you're okay when you're not okay. And they thought, okay, hey, we've got this great defense. We've got Fournette. We've got other pieces. He can be he can be fine, and we can still win with him. And that was the biggest mistake. And obviously you could say taking Fournette over Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes ultimately was, you know, the, the, the biggest non-move they made. But – you know, it was, it was extending Bortles in my mind and convincing themselves that he was good enough that really, I think, set the franchise back. And all of a sudden, you're having to sell off pieces on defenses. It's really hard to keep a defense intact for more than two or three years in this league, pay everybody. You know, the Vikings have sort of done it, but not many others have. So I really believe that was the move that, that sent them down this path. Eric, I feel like if we're talking NFL, we have an obligation to ask you about Brady and Belichick. So I just want to know, <laughs> yeah. in your opinion, who do you think is going to have more success this season, Belichick with New England or Tom Brady with Tampa Bay? It's so fascinating, right? I mean, Brady, of all off-seasons for Tom Brady to switch teams, right? I mean, the pandemic and everything that's been you know, limited with the players this, this off-season – you know, he's having to go to parks and, you know, evade cops and stuff to, to work out until he gets a training camp. And, you know, it, it should be a good match with Bruce Arians, who wants to throw the football, and they've got good receivers and tight ends and everything. I mean, it, it feels like it, it should work. But the limited run-up time, even for a vet like Tom, it, it takes time to build that chemistry. Then again, you have Belichick switching completely style-wise to, to a guy like Newton, but you hear him talking about Cam and, and how hard a worker he is and how much energy he brings. I think he's really kind of been invigorated by this a little bit. And so even though the Patriots offense reportedly hasn't been all that impressive in camp, I think they feel like over time Cam's playmaking ability is going to suit them fine. So right, right when everybody's ready to bury the Patriots and say, oh, this is it's the Bills' time or maybe the Dolphins can make a run here, I, I still think they're going to win the division. I think Bill – Look, it's crazy that he's only won two Coach of the Year awards, I think, maybe three at the most. But this is the, the opportunity for him to win that award again because Brady is gone. They lost eight guys to COVID. You know, I, I just have a feeling the Patriots by season's end are going to be a better team than they were last year. So mm. as tough a division as that South is, I'm going to go with Belichick on this one. Eric Edholm of Yahoo with us in uh, on 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman. Eric, I guess Saints fans got a scare yesterday when it was reported that they were considering trading Alvin Kamara. Now he's going to be back at practice today. What's the latest you're hearing on Kamara and the Saints? Yeah, he's had a legitimate injury. This back thing has been kind of flaring up a little bit. He's you know, he's had some, some pain management that he's had to in, you know endure, but you know, I Right when I heard the news, I sort of felt like this was more of a sort of scare tactic negotiation ploy that, you know, the Saints, I mean, look, every move they've made this offseason, 
you know, slimming down to only four draft picks, you know, re-signing Taysom Hill for like 10 million bucks a year, you know, keeping their core intact, adding an offensive lineman in the draft is probably going to start. Everything points towards let's make a run at a Super Bowl in Drew Brees' twilight. You know, let's let's make sure we have a team this year, possibly next, that can that can, you know, after three years of, of sort of stunning playoff exits, we, we haven't we have a window here. So trading Kamara to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense, even as good as Latavius Murray might be. I think they'll end up settling on a deal somewhere in the 12 to 12 and a half million dollar range, something like Joe Mixon got only shorter. So I just don't feel like there's going to be this, this trade that everybody's sort of talking about because his value to the saints, I believe is higher than it would be to almost any other team in the league. Eric, let's take Joe Burrow out of the equation here. Which rookie yeah. quarterback do you think is going to have more of an impact on their team Tua or Justin Herbert? Yeah, I mean, those are probably the two guys. I'm, you know, I'm sure there, there might be one or two other rookies like Jalen Hurts if, if Carson Wentz gets hurt. But those are the two that I think that most people feel like are going to have the most starts, the biggest opportunity to start this year, assuming nothing goes crazy with any other team. And, you know, with, with, with the Chargers, I mean, I, I think they have a pretty good setup. They have a nice tight end in, in Hunter Henry. They've helped kind of beef up the offensive line. The skill position talent guys like Keenan Allen, et cetera, have been pretty good. A couple of rookie receivers they added too. So there's not a whole lot of pressure on Herbert out there. He can just go throw it. He's on a team that nobody pays attention to, relatively speaking. The Dolphins, there's a little more pressure in the sense that, you know, those fans endured a year of quote unquote tanking, even though we know they weren't really tanking. But the concept of this year is going to be bad, next year is going to be more fun. And he's still got to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick, who so far has been the best quarterback in camp. So I love Tua. I had him ahead of Justin Herbert on my rankings. Ultimately, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to be a better quarterback long term. But in the short term, it wouldn't shock me if Herbert ends up having kind of that Drew Lockish performance, maybe a little longer. You know, Locke had five games last year. Wouldn't stun me if Herbert gets eight, nine, ten starts this season and plays pretty well. And then once the focus kind of gets more on him and the pressure ramps up, you know, maybe two is able to catch up next season. So I just sort of feel like Herbert might have a little smoother path, at least uh, in the early going. Hey, Eric, before we let you go, we're going to have Eli Drinkwitz on the show weekly during yeah. the season. So we're excited about that. He's obviously got a great personality. But as you cover college football as well as pro, what kind of a read are you getting from other people about what Mizzou has in Eli Drinkwitz? Yeah, like just the confidence is, is palpable. I mean, he really – I had a few minutes with him. I, I chatted with him down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, and, you know, he was kind of giving me some guff a little bit. Like, he was busting my chops a little. I thought, I just met this dude like 30 seconds ago, you know. So <laughs> I love that about him, right? And it's a little different than what we saw with Barry Odom. It's a little different than what we saw even with Gary Pinkle, I think. So that's going to be a change, and, and they feel like they can go after any recruit and get him, and they feel like they can – put together a really interesting offense when they get their their pieces in place so that kind of confidence that you know that that young offensive guru guy who comes in and, and reshapes the whole operation it's just really different than I think anything Missouri's had in a while so it'll be fun to see how they kind of put it all together especially in this crazy offseason yeah we're looking forward to it hey I want to give you one fun fact before you go and that's this yeah. one with the Rams from 2000 to 2009 Torrey Holt with uh, 
Terrell Owens in the league, with Randy Moss in the league, with Marvin Harrison in the league. Torrey Holt had more catches, more yards, more first downs than any other receiver in the NFL during that wow. decade. He had six 1,300-yard seasons. No one else had more than four. So if, if it's not for the injury, Torrey is easily in the Hall of Fame. But I think being the best among that group for that decade should make him a Hall of Famer. In, in my case for him would be, yes, he had Bruce and, and Falk and, and you know, Orlando Pace and, oh, by the way, Kurt Warner for that stretch there, Mark Bulger. But what he did after the Rams, you know, that five-year period where they were exceptional, to me, that's what separates him. He, he was able to do it without an ideal situation around him. So you're right. I, I, if he had a slightly longer career, slam dunk. But I think he gets in eventually. He's, he's a beast. Eric, great stuff. We'll have to do this often during the NFL season if you're up for it. Looking forward to it. See you guys. Thank you. See you later. Eric at home, Yahoo on 101 ESPN. He's fun. Very fun. And I agree with what he said about Coach Drink. That confidence, that personality, it is yeah. palpable. Yeah. Eric's a Mizzou guy. Yeah. So he's he's on board. So if we're wondering, and we, you can tell us because we don't know what you think of the NFL. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.36 a.m. It's time for the fight. Let's welcome in Randy's competition today. Jimmy is with us. Good morning, Jimmy. How are you doing on this Wednesday? Morning. Good. You ready to take on Randy in the fight? Yes, I am. All right. Awesome. We've got questions all over the map today, Jimmy. So here we go. Question number one. St. Louis and Jason Tatum led the Celtics in points last night. Do you know what high school he went to? Was it Chaminade, CBC, or Vianney? Chaminade. Question number two for you, Jimmy. Who has driven in the second most RBIs in Cardinals history? Is it Albert Pujols, Ina Slaughter, or Rogers Hornsby? Go Hornsby. Question number three, Jimmy, we've talked a lot about Fernando Tatis Jr. being one of the best players in baseball. His dad, Fernando Tatis Sr., played for the Cardinals. What position did he play most of the time with St. Louis? Was it second base, shortstop, or third base? Third base. And your final question, Jimmy, what goalie has the most shutouts in St. Louis Blues history? Is it Brian Elliott, Jake Allen, or Yaroslav Halak? We'll go Brian Elliott. Okay, checking score here. Randy is on his way back in. I bet he gets number four right. I bet Randy gets number four right. Randy, as you're getting settled in here, say good morning to Jimmy. Morning, Jimmy. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Randy? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy, question number one. Yes. St. Louis and Jason Tatum led the Celtics in points last night. Mm -hmm. What high school did he go to? He was a Red Devil at Chaminade. All right, question number two for you, Randy. Who has driven in the second most RBIs in Cardinals history? After Stan Musial, I guess he's number one. So who's number two 
I will go with Albert. Question number three, Randy. We've talked a lot about Fernando Tatis Jr. being one of the best players in baseball. Mm-hmm. His dad, Fernando Tatis Sr., played for the Cardinals. What position did he play most of the time with St. Louis? Third base. And your final question, Randy. What goalie has the most shutouts in St. Louis Blues history? I believe it's still Brian Elliott. We've got a winner. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker! Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. I named my dog after him. That's why I knew you'd get that one right, Randy. I said it before you walked in. Okay, quite a fight today. Very close, Jimmy. I'm so sorry. Randy edged out, as you heard Jack Buck there. Four to three. So close. Jason Tatum did go to Chaminade here in St. Louis. Albert Pujols is second, or he has driven in the second most RBI in Cardinal history. Fernando Tatis Sr. played third base with the Cardinals. He played 293 out of his 299 games with the Cardinals at third base. And Brian Elliott is the goalie who has the most shutouts in St. Louis Blues history. Jimmy, thank you so much for playing. Great fight. Thanks, guys. All right, Jimmy, great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. And we thank all of you for listening. And uh, do, do we have our poll up yet? We do. I threw it up at right. my Twitter page, M. Smallman. And I will retweet that. We just want to know from you whether or not you want to hear NFL content this year about, hey, we're, we're going to talk games, we're going to talk moves, we're going to talk transactions. That's the NFL that we're talking about. We know that it's become a big social justice league and that we can't win in talking about that stuff on a regular basis. So, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about with the NFL season starting, do you want to hear about NFL football? So you can answer our poll. We do appreciate all your texts as well. The poll is up on Twitter, at M. Smallman. And, of course, you can follow Michelle on the gram, too, <laughs> at, uh, at M. Smallman. I am on the Twitter as well, at Randy Carricker, RJ Carricker on the Insta. And Scotty is actually also all over social media. I am. You can follow me at S Manziera 2, M-A-N-D-Z-I-A-R-A-2 on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, follow all of us at 101 ESPN on the Twitter page and the in the Instagram page. And the gram and the IG, yeah. right, Randy? Yeah. Um, update, because we have been standing the entire show. I, I sat down after like 50 minutes. Randy bowed out. 47 minutes, actually. You stayed. Okay. I wrote it down. I'm, I'm impressed. Proud of you. And Great. you have not sat down yet. I have not. I am I am moving. I am keeping inertia happening. What is it? What's, what's it's in motion? It A body stays. of motion stays there in motion. There you go. That's what we're yeah, doing. Sir today. Isaac Newton. I, I'm like Adam Wainwright. I like to play physical games. You know, like when I'm working out, I like to, to challenge myself uh-huh. mentally. And this is a challenge. How so, are you feeling? I feel great. How are I, your legs? Oh, they're great. They're okay. great. I just, it's its more of the habit that I, yeah. I want to sit down out of habit. My but hamstrings started hurting. <laughs> I think it's going to, you know, I might pay for this tomorrow, but I'm going to try to keep this going. <laughs> I, like I really this. am. I'm going to give it another shot tomorrow, too. I'm going to try to go to 48 minutes. There you go. Beat your personal best. <laughs> next up, the Cardinals did add a big bat this offseason. We just didn't know it. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
Brad Miller doing great things for the Cardinals so far. Early in his Redbird career last night, four for six with three runs scored, and he drove in seven. He's hitting 317 with a 450 on base and a 690 slug. That gives you a 1.069 OPS, Michelle. And I did not see that coming. I thought, okay, he'll be a nice utility guy. He'll play some third. He'll play some short, and they'll give him an at-bat here or there. But I really thought that the 30 home run season that he had with Tampa Bay, and I think it's four years ago now, I kind of thought that was the the fluke, that that was the exception. Maybe it's another fluke, but I'll take it. It's a big bet, a middle-of-the-lineup bet that the Cardinals need because coming into the season— I would have argued that the only real impact bat they had was Paul Goldschmidt, and they needed more impact in the middle of the lineup. And you were hoping that Paul DeYoung would blossom into that that bat, that guy. But to, to think that Brad Miller has been the one that has made such an impact offensively for this team. We thought it might be a Tyler O'Neill, maybe a Dylan Carlson when he was brought up, but no, it's Brad Miller, the guy that we all saw coming, right? Yeah, he's coming off a seven RBI game, and uh, our friend Brandon Kylie tweeted a list of players with a lower OPS than Miller, who, by the way, is 15th among 261 major leaguers with at least 70 plate appearances with his 1.022. Players that have a lower OPS than Brad Miller, Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Mike Trout, Luis Robert, Nolan Arenado, Francisco Lindor, all of those guys have yet to reach the level of OPS that Brad Miller has this year. Pretty incredible. Those are some prominent names, Randy. That's a, that's a very shocking statistic. It, it really is. is. Yeah, and again, we go back to Mike Schilt. We talked earlier about his patience with Colton Wong, and Miller goes 0 for 10. And even in a 60-game season, 0 for 10 is a small sample size. So if a guy has two or three bad games in a row, if you believe he's going to be productive for you, you have to put him back in there, and all of a sudden this guy turns it on. And the biggest thing that this guy can do, speaking of Brad Miller, is provide protection for Paul Goldschmidt because – With everybody else aside from Paul DeYoung, there isn't a hitter in this lineup that anybody respects enough or should respect enough that they'll say, okay, I am going to avoid that guy so that I can – I'm not going to pitch around Paul Goldschmidt. I'm I'm going to give Paul Goldschmidt a pitch to hit. And you you almost have to because you don't want to put Goldie on base. And Goldie has such a good eye, he's getting on base a lot anyway. But you have to have somebody with the danger behind Goldschmidt that can make a team pay for pitching around Goldie. Speaking of good eyes, Randy, we saw Mike Schultz stick with Colton Wong and that come to fruition. We see him sticking with Miller as he's 0 for 10 entering last night's game. We see what he did there. The fact that he has stuck with – these two guys, and you've seen them blossom. Harrison Bader, to some extent, too. Uh, uh, what was that, last week? Yeah, mm-hmm. I believe last week. Does that give you more confidence if he chooses to stick with somebody like Matt Carpenter and thinking, hey, he obviously saw something happening with these other players, and even though they're telling us with Matt Carpenter, we feel like he's close, we're, we're seeing that he's going to put it together consistently. Even though we, as fans, don't feel like it might be coming, do you trust Mike Schultz more because of the success of other players? Yes, and I trust him more than I trust myself because he's done it for such a long time. That's the rational thing to do. 
The issue I have is that a couple of years ago, when he got off to the bad start, when Carpenter got off to the bad start, and the Cardinals brought him in and said, look, you don't have to change anything. What you're doing is fine, because according to StatCast and according to our numbers, what you're doing in terms of exit velocity and in terms of barreling the ball is really good. And it was. It was tops in the league. And they kept him in there, and it turned out to be the right thing because he had a 36-home run season and was a near MVP. Now, though, those stat cast numbers aren't what they were, and he's middle of the pack or lower, and I don't see, if they're seeing something, I don't see what it is that they're believing. Or maybe it's that they have stuck with guys who then have had success, so they believe that if they have the same approach with Matt Carpenter, that based on what they know about him or what they're seeing with the numbers, that he will put it together. I don't know. My opinion is that they're playing the contract. That's the only thing that I can see. And he is getting more days off than he has. But when you have Miller, he can play either third or DH. And you have Edmund, who can play third base. And you're trying to get Dylan Carlson going. And Fowler's doing what he's doing. And he maybe that's another reason yeah. that they're giving Carpenter an opportunity. That's a great, great example. But when you're trying to make the playoffs... I don't think that guy, if you play him in your lineup as one of your nine hitters, I don't think that he gives you the best chance to win. Beyond the fact that it just hasn't been there for a long time offensively, there are no other tools. Dylan Carlson can run and plays really good defense. Colton Wong is a gold glove player, and he he's a guy that can give you other things. Obviously, Miller is performing, so... And Edmund, by the way, switch hitter, and he's actually performing pretty well. I don't see how they can say we're playing our best team when they have Matt Carpenter in the lineup. And maybe next year Carpenter winds up coming back and turning into the player that he was next year. It'll be eight years ago or three years ago. It's been a pretty long time now. But I don't see it. I I wish I could. Because I like the guy and I love what he's done for the Cardinals over the years, but I just don't see why they continue to play him. And one of the things that I had suggested to you earlier in the week was, hey, he's historically had his most success when he's batted leadoff or earlier in the lineup. Maybe that's mm-hmm. something that they consider. But when you see what Colton Wong's giving you or, or Tommy Edmond, you don't want to disrupt that. Exactly. So right. that's not an option for no. you either. And Mike Schilt likes having that speed at the top of the lineup. And Carpenter, well... It's fun sometimes, especially when you're ahead 14 to 2 or whatever. It's fun sometimes to watch him try to take an extra base. The fact of the matter is he's just not a good enough runner for the way that Mike Schilt wants to play to have him in the top of the lineup. So what do you think, Randy? Mid-September, if you haven't seen more out of Matt Carpenter, that's when they start to make a move? I think he'll play these seven-inning games. I think when you look at this weekend, the 5th, 8th, 10th, uh, 14th, 16th, 25th. You've got so many doubleheaders. I think he'll, he'll he'll still play a lot. But when you're, let's say at the end of September, when you start the playoffs, I think we'll have seen enough that you can't play him. Man. Now, the Cardinals do start a stretch here with the, the five games in four days against the Cubs. But then they've got a doubleheader against the Twins. Next Wednesday, a week from today, they've got a day off. And then they play a doubleheader against the Tigers as well. They've already taken care of their White Sox games. They get three more with Kansas City. We're 
we thought at the beginning of the season that the Cardinals might have a pretty good schedule because of what they're seeing with their American League teams, and a third of your schedule is against teams from the other league. But man, when you're playing against the Twins, the Tigers are at 500 right now. They're way better than anybody thought they would be. When you're playing against the Tigers, Twins, and Tribe, the, the Indians, it's a lot tougher than I thought it was going to be. The Cardinals were fortunate to do what they did against the White Sox, mm-hmm. especially coming off of the, the Rona. But I, I would have thought that this would be a cakewalk for the Cardinals, but it will not be. And teams that you thought would be difficult, the Reds, you've you've hand you've handled. Yeah, you know it's been such an odd season. But I like that they're playing teams outside the division that are giving them some challenges that they aren't as familiar with. Because if this is going to be a postseason team, that experience will help you moving forward. You're going to have to if you're going to win. You're going to see the Dodgers. You're going to see the Padres. You're going to see the Braves probably again in the playoffs. So you better play somebody that is really good and plays has a team that is built as a unit with some depth. All due respect to the Cubbies, who are really good, but they aren't the kind of team that the Dodgers or Atlanta or even San Diego with Clevenger are now. After this stretch with the Cubs, if if the Cubs come out really strong or the Cardinals come out and they just dominate, if it swings you know, definitively one way or the other, will you feel comfortable saying, I think this team or the or the Cubs or the Cardinals, whichever one is going to win the division, even though there's a lot of baseball yes. left to play? Yeah. I, but I, I think, think so, too. I think, I think it's we, over already. I do, too. I think you'll know after the end of this five-game stretch. Yeah, who who's going to be the division champion? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And it's a single game Friday, doubleheader Saturday, single games on uh, Sunday and Monday, and this would have been an unbelievable weekend if we had fans oh. to go to Chicago. I say there's a lot of games left, which sounds crazy, but it's relative to this yeah, season right. that they have a lot of games left. But, man, you're right. What a, What a weekend it would have been. So the Cardinals in action tonight, 540 against Cincinnati, and you'll see that game on FS Midwest, and Danny Mack and Jim Edmonds will have the call. Danny Mack coming your way, by the way, at 10 o'clock, 10 to 11, with scoops here on 101 ESPN. Next up, though, the Cardinal offense going crazy last night in Cincinnati, their biggest offensive output in years. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Shift on the right side. And Miller launches one down the right field line. It's gone off the foul pole. He's done it again. And this one, a two-run homer for Miller. His fourth hit of the night and his second two-run bomb. Have a night, Miller. He is driven in seven on the night. Brad Miller driving in seven of the 16 Cardinal runs. Danny Mack and Jim Evans last night on FS Midwest as the Cardinals rolled to a 16-2 route of the Reds. It's 9.03. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And uh, so we have our team text going on during the game last night. And you two were having a lot of fun watching the Cardinals just pound on the Reds. How can you not have fun watching a game like that? It lasted four hours. (laughs) It was so fun. Give me 3-2. Randy, I am never going to complain about an offensive explosion, especially with the Cardinals. No, I'm going to enjoy and savor every minute of that. (laughs) I have to admit, I did text another group of friends. I'm like, guys, um, we're not even halfway done. It's two hours through. I'm not going to (laughs) complain. But I did say that. Yeah, it lasted a while. No, it was fun. And the Cardinals with 23 hits, one away from their modern day record. 16 runs, which was the most they have scored in a game since... July of last year when they scored 14. So the Cardinals 
offense really coming up big, and they've had to go through a lot to get to this point. And Paul Goldschmidt now is seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. I think just that there's been no give in. I mean, it's it's been tough. You know, we got we either put ourselves in this situation or got put in it. But having to do 55 games in 45 days, it's, it's just hard on everyone. And that's not even talking about the performance side of not playing for two plus weeks and pitchers not being built up and the bullpen and guys not being here. But that's just what it is and nobody's complaining that's been great the attitude's been great I think just because of that you're going to see some ups and downs um you know we've made mistakes and stuff like that but we're just going to go out there and play hard every day and um you know hopefully come the end of the season you know we're in a position to, to hopefully have a chance to get in the playoffs and, and see what can happen so all you can do with all the weirdness is put your head down play hard and see what happens at the end of the season. Yeah, and put yourself, as Goldie said, in position to make the playoffs because it's normally if you're in, anything can happen, but this season more than ever, if you're in, anything can happen. And having a game last night, Randy, it's like the Oprah game, right? You get a hit, you get a run, you get a hit, you get a run, (laughs) where everybody seemingly has success offensively. That's got to be great for your confidence. It's got to be great for for the momentum of this team. And heading into this tough stretch versus the Cubs, you certainly want a game like that under your belt. Mike Schilt is relentlessly positive. He's kind of like the polar opposite of us. <laughs> we are po- we are we're, way positive. We're si- sunshine lollipops. Yeah, compar- comparatively, we are incredibly positive. Comparatively. Yes. Yes, but when they get shut out, we aren't happy. No. But there are things that Mike Schultz sees that make him feel good about where the Cardinals are headed, and last night was a culmination of that. I don't think there's any question to it, you know, and there's a, there's a grind to it as well that, you know, we probably hit a little bit. <laughs> It's understandable. As Tony would say, men, not machines. No excuses at all. We don't accept them. You know, there's – I actually felt like our offense had a really good approach coming back and did a really nice job from day one coming back of being able to to figure out a way to have competitive at-bats since the first game back and until, you know, the whole time. And, um, you know, again, you don't always get rewarded in this game. Um, but I, I very much appreciated the approach, the consistency to the process and the dedication to to being prepared. See, we're all about results. We're the old Bill Parcells. Hey, don't tell me about the labor. Just show me the baby. Big time. That's what we want. And Schilte is, like he said, he's about the process. He can be happy if the results aren't there, if the process is being applied, which is hard for us as fans to really come to grips with. Have you ever heard a labor story that you were intrigued by? No. No. Show me the baby. Let me tell you it's cute. I got one for you, but I'm not going to bring it up on the air. Oh, tell me. Uh, now I'll, I want to know. I still get grief over it. Oh, okay. Well, then I definitely want to know. You're going to debunk my entire theory here that no labor story is a good labor story. So we go in at one in the morning because you want to have like that 24-hour period for insurance, right? So yeah. we go in at one in the morning to have labor induced. And it's not happening, right? They're trying to induce labor and it's just not happening. So... At nine in the morning or so, I've been there for eight hours, just sitting, waiting, nothing's happening. And I am actually told, hey, why don't you go home and feed the dogs and let them out? Okay. Oh, no, Randy. I go home, feed the dogs, let them out, take a shower, grab some breakfast, come back. So I I left at nine, probably came back at 10, 30, 11. And first of all, I, I worked. I went, I literally went from work to home, to the hospital at one in the morning. And so I'm sitting in a chair and I'm super tired and I evidently I fall asleep while Joan's in labor. <gasps> it happens, right? <laughs> so, And then I'm gone for an hour and a half at her behest, by the way. 
and I come back, and then the baby wasn't born. We she had to have a C-section at uh, eight at night because his head was misaligned, so he wouldn't have come out. So she's in labor basically from three in the morning until eight at night. And I still get grief for falling asleep and for leaving for that hour and a half to take care of the dogs. Oh, wait. I thought you were going to say you missed the birth. Oh, no. Uh -uh. Okay. I looked. I I figured I would throw up looking at at an operation. Yeah. I I didn't even throw up. Oh, you didn't? No, I didn't. I looked. It was fine. I was fine with it. Especially a C-section. Yeah. You know, well, it wasn't a bad. Lot happened in there. I, well, I'm not going to say it wasn't bad. I think I might have been. Yeah, it wasn't bad for you, Randy. Yeah, your wife might have a different yeah. opinion. So, but I still get grief about leaving when I was just taking care of our dogs. See, I thought now that the the was, uh, conclusion of the story uh, not is here. Only was I there for the birth? I was there for well, 1 a.m. till 8. I was there until 10 p.m. probably. So what? 21 hours. I was there for. 19 out of 21 hours. Okay. I, I think you're fine. And you were, there for, you were there for the big moment. That's all that really yeah. matters. I think falling asleep when she was in pain probably doesn't sit well, but it is what it is. I wouldn't say that I fell asleep, Randy. This was your, your crucial mistake. You had to say, hey, one of the dogs was sick. I had to take it. You wouldn't believe. No, I fell asleep right next to her. I was oh, in the right chair. Oh, right next to her. Yeah. Jeez, I, I was in the chair sitting home. there. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Well, she should have just screamed and woke you up. Yeah, she she did a little, plenty of screaming. <laughs> but you were there for the birth, Randy. That's all that matters. Really, Don't be too it, hard on yourself. Yeah, it, it, it's it, all that matters. Now, Colton Wong of the Cardinals, he says that the Cardinals are starting to figure out what they're capable of. Um, I think it's just you know the team understanding what our what our potential is. You know, we understand that you know we know how to grind out ABs more than anybody in this league. Uh, we do that to every single pitcher we play against. You know, some guys might have us that day, but they know. Uh, that when they leave that mound that, you know, we made them work. And, you know, that's been our model the whole time is, you know, regardless of how we're going to do it, you know, we're going to make these guys work and make them earn their wins. 208 pitches thrown by Reds pitchers last night. That's making them work. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I was just thinking back to labor stories. If at the end of this, the birth is a World Series championship, this Cardinal season would be the most interesting labor story of all time. Oh, it would be fantastic. Right? Right. A a crazy season anyway. You've had uh, a coronavirus outbreak on your team. All sorts of stuff that has gone down. You have Adam, a 39-year-old Adam Wainwright giving you what he's giving you. Yadier Molina giving you what he's giving you. Brad Miller is one of the guys that comes in and provides a spark for your team. You've got the youngster and Dylan Carlson who comes up. This actually, I retract everything I said, a very interesting labor story. You will never... Forget the COVID World Series, if you would it. You'll never, never forget it. Never. No. From the 314, I stopped at a McDonald's drive-thru with my wife in the car on the way to the hospital for breakfast. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. When oh. my mom went into labor with me, mm-hmm. they were halfway to the hospital, and she started crying because she left her purse at home. Oh, or man. She, they say in New Jersey, my pocketbook. Uh-huh. And my dad's like, you're good, you're good, you don't, you don't need, need it. it. And she's like, I have to have it. <laughs> so they had to go back, get the purse, and then... Go to the hospital. Wow. Thankfully, it was okay. But I just think in that moment. did she, Was it just a security thing? I yeah. have to have it? She's like, I have to have my wow. pocketbook. I need it. How about this from the 314? Took my wife to the hospital. She's complaining in the car the whole way about pain. I told her to shut up. It's ah. a long process. Dropped her off, parked the car, went in, and she was in mid-delivery. Never lived it down. Here's a hot tip. Don't tell a woman in labor to shut up ever. Yeah, it's probably. Probably not a good play. She'll tell you to shut up without any qualms about it at all. No, but she's going through it. She can tell you to shut up. I think in 
in any situation in life, more than ever, you defer to her. You let her tell you to shut up, and you take it. You just take it. Yeah, you do have to take it. You're right. If I could add to one of these uh, interesting stories, I know my brother and my sister-in-law had a baby during COVID on June 1st. My nephew was born. Ah, So thank you. Yeah, so I couldn't see him for multiple weeks. I didn't live here yet. But at the same time, think about this. If you're going into the hospital, he had to stay there like the entire time. Like until they left, you you weren't allowed to leave. You weren't allowed to go outside your car to grab stuff. Like you had to stay inside the hospital for the full three days. So you had to pack everything up when you went in. You're quarantined. Exactly. You better have somebody to take care of your dogs. That's true. (laughs) My brother. This this classic. From the 314, my wife needed Taco Bell on the way to the hospital. We stopped and got it. It's a good husband right there. She needs it, you get it. Yeah. And that's a, especially if you're doing the late night thing. Taco. uh, Fourth mail. Classic. Yeah. Absolutely. What else are you going to get? Is Jack the Box open that late? Oh, yeah, right. Get two tacos, some ranch, you're good. Okay. (laughs) I know from experience. Okay. But there are some foods that would not be available if you're going to the hospital at one in the morning. Especially now, when right. hours are different for, for certain restaurants. Mm-hmm. But I think Taco Bell, if you're in labor, is a, is a good play. Because if you get some mild sauce, some spicy sauce, they say mm-hmm. spiciness kind of moves things along. Uh-huh. And you know that you might be in the hospital for a while. you got to satisfy that craving while you can. You do. And I, I love the fact that people are doing that. From the 314, my wife's water broke just as the third period was ending in the Blues double overtime game against Dallas. It was our second, and she's a trooper, so she let me finish the game, but she did not let me name him Patty. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. That is, that's an amazing wife that you would let him finish the game. But yeah. I guess if it's on in the room, what? let's be real. That might be the best time for you to be giving birth because if you're a Blues fan as a woman and you are locked into this game, yep, it might distract you from the pain. Yeah. Right. No doubt about it. Here's another one from the 314. I had the Blues Western Conference final game two on during my wife giving birth. During the, the birthing process. That's wow. great. Wow. Uh, from the 314, my wife was in labor for 24 hours. <laughs> we watched the same Cardinals game on Fox Sports three times. By the third go-around, we turned off the volume and did our own commentary. That's really fun. I love all of these stories. The people That's have so great. many great stories. <laughs> my, here's one from the 618. My wife was in labor on the way there. She yelled, the baby is coming. I didn't know a minivan could go 110 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you're going total lead foot at that point. Here's another one that I can totally relate to from the 636. Just told my story. My wife was in the hospital for 10 hours with nothing happening. I went home at 10 p.m. to feed the dogs, and they had to do an emergency C-section. I did 115 miles to get back, and the docs threw scrubs at me and said, hurry up. Yeah, Yeah, talk about being thrown into the action. (laughs) No doubt. And one more from the 618. The baby was halfway out and my wife was watching TV behind the doctor and told me, I really want to go see that movie. (laughs) Those drugs were good, Randy. They were working. (laughs) Thanks for your text. We do appreciate it on 101 ESPN. Carriker and Smallman. And coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, it's time for... Killing me, Smalls! 
Randy, a big night for the Kansas City Chiefs last night as they were awarded their Super Bowl rings. And as you can imagine, they are completely iced out. On the front, they have two marquee cut diamonds, 60 diamonds on the top. They have 16 custom cut rubies, 122 diamonds on the bottom. Just a ton of bling on the front. But I think the most interesting part is underneath. They have imprinted on the on the bottom of the ring the scores and logos of the teams that they beat along the way, including the scores of the games and in brackets underneath the deficits with which the Chiefs <laughs> overcame to get there. So, for example, they have the, the Titans, the score 35-24, and then underneath 10. And that is just some major shade that I appreciate, Randy. <laughs> I love that idea. That's fantastic. Good for them. They also have the player's signature on the very bottom part of the ring and their number, which I thought was an interesting touch. Very classy. Rings are amazing now, what has happened with rings. And I think it might have started with the Cardinals with the rally squirrel. And so now teams are doing such creative things on the inside of rings. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And speaking of rings, last night it was ring season, according to Patrick Mahomes, as he got his Super Bowl ring, went out later that night and proposed to his girlfriend, his longtime girlfriend, Brittany, his high school girlfriend, and gave her quite the rock as well as he posted on social media. So congrats to them. Yeah, what a day. That's awesome. Uh, uh, You talk about a guy that's got it going on right now. Patrick Mahomes has it going pretty well, right? Gets a contract, gets a Super Bowl championship, buys a part of the Royals, gets engaged. He's had a pretty good role here for the last nine, ten months. Yeah, so 2020 sucks for everyone except for Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. (laughs) Essentially, right? Yeah. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, Randy, some big news out of the entertainment world. The latest cast of Dancing with the Stars has been revealed, and it includes a hometown favorite. Our boy Nelly is going to be competing in Dancing with the Stars alongside Tiger King star Carol Baskin. All right, fun. So Nelly better watch out. Don't befriend her. You know what happens there. Careful. Uh, A Backstreet Boys member, AJ, the one that Uh probably no one remembers from the Backstreet Boys, is going to be there as well. Was Joey Fatone Backstreet Boys? No, that's in sync. Oh, okay. And they called him Fat Joey Fat One. No one called him Dancing with the Stars. On Dancing with the Stars, they did. They did? He did. Oh, that's not nice. F-A-T-O-N-E. Are you a Dancing with the Stars fan? Uh, No. Once you referred to it as Dancing with the Irrelevant, I kind of bailed on it. But you've got Charles Oakley involved this time. You, of course, have Nelly. You have Vernon Davis there. Uh, I don't know if you watch Cheer on Netflix. I did. Randy was very locked into Cheer. Their head uh, cheer coach, Monica, is going to be involved. Okay, she's going to be a tough she's one to beat. Win. She's probably going to win. So, I mean, Carol Baskin, yeah. we were all very invested in Tiger King during quarantine. I might watch Dancing with the Stars, not even for Nelly, but just to see Carol Baskin. Have you paid attention to who the new host is? It is Tyra Banks, I believe, right? Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, because Aaron Andrews is not going to be there anymore. And neither is Tom Bergeron. So who's who's the other host? Is it just Tyra? I think so. Wow. I saw a promo with Tyra. So, yeah, I'll watch. I want to see Nelly dance. I'll watch once. I watched his uh, quarantine battle versus Ludacris, and let's just hope that he's more prepared and that the Wi-Fi works. Yes, the Wi-Fi works needs to work for Nelly. <laughs> also, we saw him during Long Gone Summer doing an interview wearing a Chicago jersey. If you're going to wear any sort of city or team paraphernalia, Nelly, especially on a national platform like this, it better be St. Louis. We know you listen. We know you're tuned in right now. <laughs> Big fan. Better be St. Louis stuff. Better be St. Louis, Nelly. But we will be cheering for him as he competes on Dancing with the Stars.
You're killing me, Small. All right, Randy, Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins did an, uh, an interview on Spotify's 10 Questions podcast, NFL Network Kyle, host Kyle Brandt hosts that podcast, and he was asked about masks and asked about coronavirus, and he had some interesting things to say. So during the interview, he went against the advice of all these medical experts who have said that masks can prevent the spread of the virus, and Brandt asked him, if one is the person who says masks are stupid, you're all a bunch of lemmings, and 10 is, I'm not leaving my master bathroom for the next 10 years, where do you land. He says, I'm not, Cousin says, I'm not going to call anybody stupid for the trouble it would get me in, but I'm about a point zero 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 one. Kyle Brent asked him, how come? And here's what Kirk Cousin says. I want to respect what other people's concerns are. For me personally, just Talk, just talking, no one else can get the virus. What's your concern if you can get it? I would say I'm going to go about my daily like life. If I get it, I'm going to write it out. I'm going to let nature do its course. Survival of the fittest kind of approach. And just say, if it knocks me out, it knocks me out. I'm going to be okay. You know, even if I die, I die. I die. I kind of have peace about it. But it's not about him. That's the issue. The, is the If he listens to doctors, and I, I hope that he doesn't get it and then take it to his parents' house who might be vulnerable, older people. But the reason that people are requested to wear masks is to protect other people. It's not about you. It's about other people and just being a good human being and not spreading the disease. And the best way for us, if we're going to be out in public, to reduce the spread of this disease is to wear a mask. And again, it's not about protecting yourself. It's about protecting others if you happen to be carrying the disease and are asymptomatic and don't know. And I can't imagine the NFL is thrilled hearing that from from one of the visible quarterbacks in the league after they're trying to implement so many safety protocols. Uh, you know, they put pretty strict measures into place saying that players have to wear masks. So yeah. it's probably not thrilling for them to hear Kirk Cousins say that he's averse to it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to me, and, and I've seen this before, that... People can go to med school three, four years. They can spend their entire life working in infectious disease control. They can do everything possible to try to protect you with what they have learned. But you're going to believe a Facebook meme. (laughs) From an account you don't even follow. Exactly. (laughs) You don't even know who put it out. But that leads me to believe, Randy, that we could convince some people of anything. And so we should use that to our advantage. That is a good idea. You know, we need to figure out an avenue there. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, finally, Randy, I just saw this on TMZ, and I thought it was interesting. Mariah Carey has a new memoir coming out. I know you've already pre-ordered it, so I'm sorry for the spoilers What's here. it called? It's called... I have to order it. The Meaning of Mariah Carey. <laughs> okay, that's I th- good. I thought you might already have it on pre-order. I know you're a huge Mariah guy. But I thought this was a, a fun anecdote coming out of the book. She revealed that two songs from that classic 1997 album, Butterfly, were about her relationship with Derek Jeter. She talked about The Roof and My All. They're both about Jeter. And if you look at the lyrics, for for instance, My All, that is a song I think most of us know from Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. She talks about how she risked it all to meet up with Derek Jeter in Puerto Rico while she was still technically married to Tommy Mottola. Really? Yes. Wow. So just add another layer to the legend of Derek Jeter. I'm going to have to listen to the words of the song. I can't add to the legend of Derek Jeter. And I always come back to the Rick Riley story. Jeter let Rick Riley go through his 
um, fan mail one time when Jeter was a player. And so Riley was going through it and found a letter with a very scantily clad woman. And she had a perfumed photo and she had kissed it with her lipstick and said, Derek, give me a call with her phone number. And the bottom of the photo, it was a a photo shot, a, a public publicity shot for Miss Universe. And Rick Riley goes and says to Jeter, hey, Derek, Miss Universe wants you to call her. Look at this picture. And Jeter says, now yeah, you, you keep it. He said, what do you mean? This is Miss Universe that wants to date you. She's leaving you her number scantily clad with her bikini shot from the Miss Universe pageant. And Jeter, in legendary form, says, dude, I've already been down that Miss Universe road. I'm not going back down it again. <laughs> Here's a man who learns life lessons. Exactly. <laughs> so Mariah Carey is probably down the list a little bit. I don't know. It seems like they had, uh, they had quite, fair, yeah, quite they... the infatuation with one another. Here yeah. are the lyrics, Randy, okay? okay? I'd give my all to have just one more night with you. I'd risk my life to feel your body next to mine because I can't go on living in the memory of our song. I'd give my all for your love tonight. Wow. I'll bet you DJ is happy <laughs> that he let that one go past for uh, a ball. Imagine dear Jeter, if maybe this is a fling for you, you're not that invested, and then she yeah. comes out with that song. Wow. Tonight. <laughs> wow, I did not see that coming. Leaves no room for confusion about how she feels. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I would hope that uh, he had her put her phone in the basket. As we know, things did not work out between them. Great. Thank you, Michelle. You got it, Randy. Coming up next, we're going to head to Cincinnati. Bobby Nightingale covers the Reds for the Cincinnati Inquirer. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Bobby Nightingale covers the Cincinnati Reds for the Cincinnati Inquirer. And he's with us on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Bobby, this is Randy Carricker. Thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning. How's it going? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start with this because we talk to Greg Amzinger every week. And last week he said that the Reds were his most disappointing team in the National League. Based upon what you thought during spring training and what you're seeing now, Uh, would you tend to agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they've definitely underperformed uh, expectations. The offense was the number one thing they wanted to improve in the offseason, and they've been one of the worst offenses in the league. You know, I I think it's more disappointing the fact that the starting pitching, for the most part, the the last two games against the Cardinals notwithstanding, um, you know, the starting pitching kind of lived up to the hype. Trevor Bauer's been as good as advertised. Sonny Gray's been great, uh, except for last night. And then, you know, the offense and um, the bullpen kind of, it's cost them all season. And, uh, you know, they're, they're in big jeopardy of not making the playoffs, which with an expanded postseason format, I mean, that's a, that's a big blow for them. Bobby, I want to circle back to just the offense. When you diagnose what's been going wrong with this offense, what's the problem? What seems to be ailing them? It's weird. It's hard to figure that out. I mean, it's just like one of those things where everyone slumped at the same time. And, you know, maybe there's one guy who's hot and then the rest of the lineup's been pretty bad. You know, for a while, Joey Votto was off to the worst season of his career. Uh, He got benched for three games and now he's been the best hitter in the lineup. Uh, Jesse Winker, he started off 
I think it was like one for 23 to start the season. Then he's now he's one of the best hitters in the league. Um, you know, Nick Castellanos, he started off, he's, you know, started off as one of the hottest hitters in the league, and then he's really cooled off and just been okay since maybe the first two weeks of the season. So it's just been one of those where all the guys they thought they could count on, Eugenio Suarez has slumped this year. Um, you know, those guys, Mike Moustakas, those guys haven't produced like they thought they would. I wondered about uh, Suarez and, and the shoulder injury early. Do you think he's affected by that still? I think there has to be something to it. I mean, he he, he says no uh, publicly when we ask him about it, but you just think it has to be somewhere in the back of his mind. You know, when guys have shoulder injuries, it always seems like it takes a year or two before they're playing it back to their regular level. And how good he was last year, you know, it's been a huge drop off. His power's still there, but he's just not making the same amount of contact that he did last year. And for for a guy that they're hitting cleanup and he's hitting under two hundred, I mean that. It just kind of shows you the state of their offense right now. Bobby, what's the sentiment amongst the Reds organization? Are they starting to feel a sense of panic that they haven't been performing up to the level that they expected to, or do they still have confidence that they're going to figure this thing out? I don't think they're in panic mode just yet. I, I, I do think they're frustrated. They're concerned. I, I think they realize, you know, there's only 24 games left in their season. I, I think early on, it was one of those, it has to turn, the offense has to turn around at some point. We have too much talent not to, and, you know, in a 162-game season, maybe that's the case. But I think it's once the calendar flipped to September uh, yesterday, I, th- I think that was kind of a wake-up call being like, okay, there's, there's really not that many games left um, and not much time to turn it around, even if you're confident at some point it will turn around. Bobby, we sit here in St. Louis and wonder about the Cardinals' desire to get one more championship for guys like Molina and Wainwright. And I'm sure fans in Cincinnati are saying, are they ever going to get one for Joey Votto? For as great as he has been, it would be a bummer to see him go through his entire career without making a World Series because he's been that great. He he has been capable of being a centerpiece guy for a World Championship team. Absolutely. I mean, it's the shame is the prime of his career was as the team was rebuilding. You know, it, obviously it just didn't work out when they gave him that long contract. They had to enter that rebuilding mode after their last playoff appearance in 2013. Uh, but you're right. I mean, he's he's been the face of the franchise for more than a decade now. Borderline Hall of Fame candidate. You know, you you, you can tell the. I, th- I think you know they're at the back of his window. He's still under contract for a few more years, but. You know, Father Time's undefeated, so you you can tell there's some urgency on his part, just trying to be a part of winning clubs and um, you know trying to win a playoff series because that's something he hasn't done in his career. Bobby, if you had to handicap it right now, do you think the Reds will be a playoff team? You know, I, up until maybe yesterday, I, I felt like they would be. You know, I, it, all it takes is one good week to kind of slip into that eight eight spot. But losing sixteen to two last night, that was. In a must-win game, and that guys talking about how important uh, the series against the Cardinals was. Uh, you know, that, that to me, that was kind of like a fall-on-your-face type loss. You had Sonny Gray on the mound, and he had the worst start of his career. I think that, uh, to me, that was like the first time where they looked like, okay, maybe things aren't going to turn out for them this season, um, and maybe that hot week will never come. And, Bobby, I thought the Reds, before we started the lockdown, during regular spring training, I picked the Reds to win the division primarily because of the starting pitching. And as you mentioned, Gray has been great until last night. Bauer has been everything they've expected with a 2.13 ERA. But Luis Castillo, who was so good last year, is 0-5 with a 4.10. What has happened to Castillo? Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where I think everyone realized 
you know, they chased his, his change up is his best pitch. And I think teams are just saying, you know, we're not going to swing at anything outside the strike zone. You know, no matter how good the changeup is, we're just, we're just going to swing at strikes. And I think that's been the hardest thing for him is he's kind of had to reinvent himself a little bit in the fact that teams just aren't chasing pitches as much as they used to because he doesn't throw a ton of strikes. And, and, they, and the Reds, to their credit, also haven't played good defense behind him. I think he leads the league in unearned runs. Um, and some of the earned runs, I mean, it's just a, attributed to bad defense. He, he seems like he's, of all the pitchers they've had, he's had the worst luck in terms of just one bad inning. It'll, things will snowball because of one bad defensive play, and then his ERA skyrockets a little bit. But I, I think he's been pitching better than what his numbers indicate. Bobby Nightingale, interesting stuff, an interesting team this year. The Cards and Reds play one more tonight before the Cardinals get a day off tomorrow. We appreciate your time, and hopefully we'll do this again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, Bobby. Bobby Nightingale of the Cincinnati Inquirer on 101 ESPN. By the way, the Cardinals and Reds only have three more scheduled games pending what happens tonight, and those would be September 11th, 12th, and 13th here in St. Louis. So as bad as they have been, if you're the Cardinals, you'd probably like to see them a little bit more. For sure. But you get the Pirates a lot, and you get the Brewers a lot, so you got to take your chances and try to beat those teams. Absolutely, Randy. Cardinals should go on and... Not should. The Cardinals have the capability of going on an amazing run. I'm telling you, you look at that schedule from September 10th on, doubleheader against the Tigers, three against the Reds, five against the Brewers, five against the Pirates, Mm -hmm. three against the Royals, uh, one, two, three, four, five against the Brewers. That's not a daunting schedule at all. No, certainly winnable. Yeah, so get through this upcoming stretch with the Cubs and Twins. Try to come out of that at 500 or or above. It's seven games. Try to come out of that four and three, three and four. Then take your chances the rest of the way. Yeah, you hopefully after that you've put yourself in a good position. Coming up, we're going to talk to Danny Mack, the voice of the Cardinals on FS Midwest, who has scoops with Danny Mack coming up in the 10 o'clock hour here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Scoops with Danny Mack coming up at the top of the hour. Dan McLaughlin, the voice of the Cardinals on FS Midwest, is here. 16 runs last night, six in the first inning. Okay, I said this at the top of the show. I wasn't comfortable after the first half of the first inning. Were you that the, Were you comfortable that the Cardinals were going to come away with a victory? Not after I saw what happened to Sonny Gray. I mm-hmm. figured it'd be one of those games, well, if they got to Sonny Gray, then they might get to Kim. You know what I mean? It's one of those weird baseball games where if they get to Gray, well, they might get to Kim, and we might be here all night. One of those weird <laughs> ones, you know? It's just one of those oddities in baseball. I, I didn't see that coming. I, I just thought it'd be... A well-pitched game, and you might have a quick game. And um, our producer came in. He said, "Man, we might have a like a two twenty-five tonight." I said, "Well, you just jinxed it. We're going to be here all night now for sure. We're going to be here all night." But yeah, it was um, it was surprising because Sonny Gray's just been so good, and um, I thought the Cardinals had a good approach. They just laid off the breaking ball, and he he couldn't uh, couldn't locate the breaking ball. And when he did, they they jumped on it and. One of those nights, they had a good uh, good offensive night. I want to talk about Kim for a second because we've talked a lot about the offense today, but what's been your impression of him so far with the Cardinals? I, I like him better as a starter than I do a reliever. I know they were kind of forced into, at least they felt, I guess, forced into giving Carlos the, the opportunity to start. And 
I, I like how he fits better as a starter. I, to me, he looks more comfortable as a a starter. I like having a um, a lefty in the in the rotation. I think his stuff plays there. He's got an assortment of pitches, um, and I love the the pace at which he pitches too. It's, it's just he he seems to fit in that role, and he's comfortable there. I think his four starts now point four four ERA, and uh, it plays. He's got really good stuff and. It fits. I, I I love what I'm seeing so far. I asked Mike Schilt if he felt like the starting rotation had kicked in, and it, I think there's a difference between the guys pitching well and it having having it kicked in. Because right now, in 2020, I think every starter you can expect he's going to give you five innings, and they're going to be innings that keep you in the game. Has to be now. You get seven doubleheaders, two next week, and then two or three the following week. So you got to hope that those guys at least give you five innings yeah. so you can keep some kind of a semblance of normalcy in this uh, abnormal season and give you a chance to keep this rhythm of what's going on in the in the season. You know now. You know, you're only three back of the Cubs. You've 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 now separated by two games. You've won the series with Cincinnati. You're gonna have a bunch coming up with Milwaukee. But this is um, it's got to be demoralizing, man. If you're if you're the Reds, yeah. I mean, this was this is a big series for Cincinnati, and and to come away having lost the first two games and having Sonny Gray get beat up like this after making the trade that they did. Um, and I know you're asking about the rotation, but it's it's a big, big loss, I think, in those first two games. And the Cardinals now have Oviedo going tonight. you got an off day coming up on Thursday. You've got Jack Flaherty, who could go stretched out probably 85 to 90 pitches on Friday. you got to feel pretty good if you're the Cardinals. I really, I, I think they've, they've got to feel good with the way things are trending now. Do you think last night said more about the Cardinals or about the Reds? A little bit of both, I think, because the pitching feels pretty good about themselves. I think the pitching's been... Going into the season, it's what we talked about. That's going to define this team. And um, as Jimmy said, I, I think he put it best. I mean, it was one of those maybe defining moments or at least parts of the season for the Reds where, you know, you flip over the spread after the game. I don't know how they do spreads now. I guess you don't have a spread. But <laughs> where you have a team meeting, and if you're the Reds, and say, where are we? You know, we, we've got to mm-hmm. – we're running out of time. I mean, they, they probably are – Past the halfway point, I think. I need to look at... Uh, I believe so. Actually have it in front of me, so oh, you guys good. talk. Go ahead and talk and okay. figure it out. Back in the day, yeah, when Jerry Rich was the Cardinals visiting clubhouse guy, man, they had Jerry awesome... Was the, Jerry was the best. Great guy. But they always had a, an awesome post-game spread. Back in the spread days, they, all, all the teams have chefs now. That's collectively bargained. So the players can get their individually prepared meals. Used to be you'd come... The players would come into the clubhouse afterwards... And, like, Jerry, when the Dodgers would come into town back in the day, he would get Charlie Gito's for Tommy Lasorda. And he would always have, like, a one night he'd have a great pasta meal. The other night he'd have fabulous fried chicken. It was always really, really a good setup. Reds have played 36 games. Yeah, I think they're done. They're running out of time. 24 left. Yeah. And they're, they're, uh, they're in trouble. I mean, Reds are in trouble now. I mean, they are now three and a half behind the Cardinals. And they don't have much going on. There isn't much reason to believe that they're going to go on a roll. We just talked to Bobby Nightingale, their beat writer, about Castillo, who apparently the league has figured out. So they've got Sonny Gray. Lynn last night was the worst start of Gray's career. And they've got Bauer. But aside from that, you look down their starting rotation, which I thought was going to be really good, and it's not that great. What's going to happen to, I don't know if... 
this is going to get more traction in, let's say, two more weeks with some of these teams that are out of it and veterans start to opt out. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that's going to happen. Yeah, why bother? I wonder if, if players play it out, play out the string because they're professionals, or if some guys say, you know what? I'm opting out, or, going home. Or it just could be, oh, man, my hamstring. Yeah. Hamstring hurts, yeah. shoulder hurts, right. uh, the elbow hurts a little bit, dinged up a little bit, time to go home. Could happen. I mean, that was talked about a lot, I would say, maybe two weeks into the season. And when you started to have the outbreaks with Miami and the Cardinals and now with the A's, you know, I, yeah. I think certain players may do that. I can totally relate, Dan. I, uh, hey, one time, long time ago now, it's like, what, eight and a half, nine years ago, but I had open heart surgery. I had a, like a quadruple bypass. I missed 17 days. You were out 17 days yeah. after quadruple bypass. Yeah. So I, I can totally get where those guys are coming from if they're not feeling How many well. years ago has that been? 2012. 2012. Mm. Yeah, Valentine's Day of 2012. Wow. Heart day. Yeah, exactly. And Danny visited me in the hospital a couple of times. Yep. What a nice guy. Mm-hmm. I remember that. One of my best buddies. Yeah, I remember. So I was telling a story, and feel free if you don't want to relate this, but we try to be relatable on this show. I was telling a story about how I still get grief for a uh, wife in labor when I, <laughs> when I A, fell asleep because she'd been there for a long time and I was super tired. <laughs> I was sitting in the chair and fell asleep. Not for a long time. And then she tells me to go home and feed the dogs. So I go home, feed the dogs, take a shower, have breakfast. And I'm gone for maybe an hour and a half. And I still get grief. To this day, the kid's 26. And I still get grief now. For leaving. Do you get grief for any labor stories? Well, I missed my twins being born. That is one of my biggest regrets in my life. Um, They came early, and I was going to do a basketball game in Virginia. Um, So I'm, I'm... upset that that happened. It's not my fault. They came early. Right. Nothing you can do. Nothing I could do about it. But does, um, does Libby ever, does, does she say, well, there's something you could no. do? No. Okay, she's, that's good. She's not mad at you me for that. You take the trash out tonight, Dan. You weren't <laughs> no, there when the no. twins were born. <laughs> she doesn't get mad at me for that. I was going to do a basketball game. so um, I'd play that card all the time. <laughs> I did give her trouble. Like They, they made her walk the hallways. Um, she was in such pain, and they were trying to just, you know, kind of get her going, you know, get mm-hmm. Get the baby out, for lack of a better term. Get things moving. Yeah. And she's like, oh. And I was like, come on, let's go. And she's like, (laughs) you you know. And and so I gave her trouble for that. Um, So, she, yeah, she remembers that. And I was like, let's go, you know, giving her a little trouble for that. Were you ever ever tempted to call the play-by-play of the birth? No, I was not going to do that. I'm not even going to attempt it right now. No, 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 no. That would be hilarious. I'd like to have my show coming up later and stay employed. That would not be good. That was something, though. It's a a miracle, man. It is. When you see it, it's just... Isn't it the most crazy... It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was telling Michelle... That I watched two C-sections and never threw up. And I'm really proud of myself for that. Is that right? Yeah. I'm not somebody who could have done operations. I could have... No. Like, been a, I can't watch operations. I can't even watch, like, on TV. No. They gross me out. I, I tell my own kid, it's a different deal. I tell my son, I said, uh, you know, like, the first 10 seconds of your life, you peed on me, which he did. <laughs> I was holding him. as they, they were like, hey, hold this guy. And I was like, okay, here. I held him. He's like that all, all over me. And, and uh, I said, maybe that was the... Uh, 
an omen for the rest of our relationship. Yeah, he sets no. the tone early. Yeah. <laughs> but we get along. It's great. Those are great stories. It's, yeah. And unforgettable for everybody. It, yeah. Those are unforgettable stories. It's awesome. It's Good so stuff. awesome. It's great. You have no baseball game tomorrow. Have you thought about that, that tomorrow night? And it, I guess there's it's another weird. one next week, the following week, where you don't have a game, too. So, Between so, the two doubleheaders. Yeah, so we have a game on, it's a five-game series at Wrigley, which is so weird that the Cubs will not be in St. Louis this year. Yeah. Isn't that odd? Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. And you have five, two five-game series at Wrigley, and then you're done, in which the Cardinals are the home, technically the home team for some of those games. And then um, there's an off day. So Labor Day, the Cardinals play Monday. Tuesday is an off day. I think Tuesday is a doubleheader. Is Tuesday a doubleheader? And then Wednesday is an off day. Is Wednesday the off day? I, this schedule's so nuts, I don't even... Yeah, you're right. Tuesday is the doubleheader. Yeah, and then Wednesday's the off day, and then there's another doubleheader coming up next yeah. week, too. Tuesday and Thursday, doubleheaders. And then the following week, I think there's a couple of doubleheaders, too. I'm, I, I'm I think liking the following these, week, you got three. I'm liking these doubleheaders, by the way. I do, too. I think there's this... From a fan's perspective, too, the more and more I talk to fans that I run into, they're like, man, I like these doubleheaders. I don't because every pitch is there's like a sense of urgency to them, and they fly by. It's not like yeah. a typical doubleheader. I don't know if you can get away with it if you're Major League Baseball, as we talked about on your show and my show, um, because there's the the seven innings. You know, there, there's sales, and then there's yeah. the idea of beer sales, soda sales, your merchandise, and all that stuff, right? And then there's the idea of of your radio and TV of your commercial breaks and that kind of thing. But you get some off days for players. Maybe you can then add a round of playoffs yeah. to make up some That's of that the money. Key. Uh, so Make a profit out of it. Right. Rob, Peter, pay Paul, right? Yep. So I, maybe you can get away with it. And it's unique. Uh, I don't know if I like the runner at second in extra innings. I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of liked it at first. Now I'm not. I, I don't know where I go with that. Yeah, I'm... I would rather play legitimate baseball. I, I think I would too. I, I just I, I think it's too easy. And maybe if you started the runner at first, give somebody if you want to shorten the game. But it's too easy. Should be theoretically too easy to score a run with a runner at second and nobody out. And yet we're seeing games go twelve innings, yeah, eleven innings. Yeah. It's because nobody can bunt. Well, that's what I don't understand. No one is bunting. The the bunt is gone. Yeah. in baseball. No one sacrifices. Yeah, 35 years ago, and Whitey Herzog will tell you today, hey, if you couldn't bunt, you can play on my team. Right. And if you had guys now that could get bunts down, it's easy. Move a runner to third, and I know the guys are throwing 95. You can still get a bunt down. Move a runner to third, and then you got a runner at third with less than two out. Well, that was a problem for the Cardinals Yeah, it has on been. the homestand. I, I thought it would be where you would be in a lineup. Like if you were lower in the lineup, you would bunt, but that hasn't been the case either. So I thought the strategy right. would come where you were situated in your lineup, but that hasn't really necessarily been the case. Right. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Starting next Tuesday, by the way, five doubleheaders in 11 days Ooh. for the Cardinals. You've got them on the 8th, and then, the, as we mentioned, the off day on the 9th, and then the 10th, and then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the following week, 14th, 16th, and 18th, Brewers twice, Pirates once. Five doubleheaders in 11 days. So you're going to need your starters to go... Fairly deep, and you're going to need Carlos Martinez to be somewhat stretched out by that time. Yeah, and hopefully he will be. Yeah. So, have a great show. What do we got coming up? Brian Walton is always on a Wednesday. Wednesdays with Walton. And uh, talk a little bit about some of the history in baseball, some of the things happening in baseball. So you had the crazy game in Colorado. You had the crazy game with St. Louis. You had Kevin Cash saying that, hey, we got guys that can throw 98 if you want to throw it our head. 
And you yeah. had Marcelo Zuna being the first National Leaguer to hit three home runs at Fenway. So there was kind of a, a, a wild day in the game of baseball. And first time ever that three players from one team, the Giants, had six RBIs in a game. How about that? Amazing. Yeah. So A lot going on. Fun day, though, in Major League Baseball, and it's great to have the game back. We will be tuned in to Dan McLaughlin, Scott Manziar, our producer-engineer. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Michelle, great stuff, great stories. Thanks, Randy. See you tomorrow. And don't forget to uh, join us in the poll. Do you want to hear more NFL content this fall on Character and Smallman? We're about 50-50, so wherever yeah. you come in, you can find Michelle or I do me. have an answer, by the way. What do you want to do? You want to hear NFL? Well, my answer would be that if there were other sports going on, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'd want to hear a lot of it but if there's no other sports going on i guess i have to yeah it's true if that's the only right? sport going that's right. why it's such a tough question this year this year's different but i do at least there's a lot of cronky hate out there still which is a good thing yeah. there's some like tons <laughs> here in st louis for all of us on character and smallman until tomorrow morning at seven have a great day st louis that was the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn